Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly D. All right, it's me, Dr. Fuck, with... Are you ready to rumble with Satan? Nope. I was about King Diamond. Hell yeah, King Diamond and Merciful Fate within the shadows, 1992? 93. God damn it, up. I was on a roll lately. I've got yeah, all the years right. I know, you got, you got too cocky, kid. Yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, we're going to review the 1993 album, In the Shadows, the reunion album. Hell yeah, this is an important album in my uh, metal dumb. Anyway, so yeah, uh, I've said it many, many times, and I'll say it again. Merciful Fate, to me, is the greatest, the greatest metal band to come out of the 80s. I won't say by far, but they are the fucking greatest. Uh, there was just something magical about them. So they reunited in 93 with this album that has that magic, but it doesn't have Kim Russ. And that's my only only complaint about this album, which is very little, because this album's amazing. But why it doesn't match to the early 80s stuff is two reasons. One, no Kim Russ, and two, it doesn't have that, that fucked up production the early ones had. You you, you, you you spit shine it too much and even this one spit shine this this album spit shine this this album is well produced it sounds great doesn't sound like the early shit but it does that's why I don't think it matches the early stuff but it's still an amazing album even with the spit shine but I just prefer the Kim Ruz years um, and yeah I remember reading in I guess Metal Maniacs they were getting back together and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, Merciful Fate, you know, is getting back together. And I remember when this album came out, I ran out and bought it and absolutely fell in love with this album. This is the best Merciful Fate album they did after the Kim Ruz years. And I love all Merciful Fate albums, some more than others, but this one is my favorite. And that's why I wanted to, wanted to play, I wanted to listen to this because I have it on vinyl and I put on the vinyl a couple days ago and I was like, Dude, this needs to be reviewed. And by the way, everybody, I got a list of killer shit to be reviewed soon. Let, let, let me ask you: uh, Do you have, do you have the original vinyl, or do you have the uh, re-release of re-release, this? re-release? Okay, it doesn't sound good. Amazing! It's two vinyls, bro. The reason I was asking is because I've heard a lot of negative reviews about Metal Blades reissue of uh, three different Testament albums, and I've heard everything. You know, bad from from the artwork on the album to the actual album itself uh, were some really negative reviews. So I was uh, worried about it, and I don't even think those are necessarily 180 grams, uh, but they seem you know all the reviews were cheap reproductions. So uh, as I was listening to this, I was looking into the vinyl and wanted to make sure, like, hey, you know, is this worth getting on vinyl? But you say so, huh? Yeah, and it brings a poster. It's really well made. It's a gatefold, and it sounds amazing. I love it. I love it. I have I have every single 
Merciful Fate re-release because uh, not you know the earlier stuff I even bought that because it's 28 gram, but you know I have the originals as well. But I never had any vinyl from uh, from uh, what is it? Uh, I, I never even had in the beginning on vinyl. I had right. I had the Merciful. I still have my Merciful Fate EP first pressing without the white border, and um, what do you call? Uh, Night of the Vampire I bought on CD uh, and everything I bought on CD after uh, Don't Break the Oath. Even, even uh, no, actually, I bought uh, King Diamond, Fatal Portrait, and them, no, not them, uh, Abigail, on vinyl. And then, you know, I went full-blown CD after that. Okay, nice. Well, then I, th- this might be one I'm going to check out on vinyl. I have every single King Diamond vinyl except for Puppet Master. Which I need to get on vinyl. I'm uh, no, I think it's that's it. I have every single one. Puppet Master wow. is a bit pricey, so I, I've been waiting to find a better price. Wow, you you have uh, uh, House of God on vinyl? Yeah, I do. I have House okay. of God, Voodoo, the last one. Uh, wow, Gra- seen, Graveyard, Spider's Lullaby. I've seen those as very pricey on vinyl, like especially Voodoo and House of God. Well, those I got from my dealer. I have a, a dealer. Okay. My, my dealer is, you know, he injects it with the vinyl and the phonograph needle. This guy gets me everything, and he always gives me a good price because, you know, I buy so much shit off him. You right. know, I mean, it's not like the cheapest. I think I pay like twenty-eight bucks for it or something, where it's actually like thirty-five right. or something. So he knocks right. down a couple bucks, but he always special orders stuff for me because he knows what I like. No, I've, I've seen. Uh, I think I was looking today at Voodoo. But it was like around 200 I was like, holy shit. Jesus Christ. I wonder if it just got raised because they stopped pressing them. Because I got them brand new when they first were released. Must be. And they're all double vinyl, you know, which gives nice. it a better sound, you know. And they all come with a poster. They, nice. I yeah, mean, it's I packaged very well. I did see that. Well, I think this is one I think I will purchase on vinyl. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Which reminds me, I should I, I should use one of those King Diamond albums that extremely underrated as my pick of the week. So stick around. Nice. All right. So uh, you discovered this album as of yesterday or today when I told you let's review it, right? Yeah. Uh, this is one you know I've had in my collection because I'm a completist and you know I got an illegal version of it. Uh, and I was kind of curious about it when it first came out because yeah, you uh, have it on CD, right? No, no. Oh, oh so th- you don't have the bonus track, Return of the Vampire? No, I do. I do. Good, I, good, good. Because I, 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 I really want to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. No, Mister X only hooks me up with the best. Okay. Uh, but this is one I remember reading about in the metal magazines. Uh, you know, like oh, it's a big thing. Mercil Fade's getting back together. Uh, but. At the time, I, I really wasn't interested because I, I spoke about this before. I bought Abigail, absolutely fucking hated it, you know. And it was years and years before I gave you know anything. King Diamond was involved a chance. When I really got back into it was in the late '90s, when uh, Roadrunner was doing these remasters of the King Diamond solo albums, and you know there was you know, talk about that in the magazines that I was buying. I was like, man, all these bands that I love, you know, cite him as a influence and all this shit. But I was like, oh, I just remember it being so horrible. But I was like, all right, let me, let me give it another chance, see if I like it now. And I bought the, the remastered Abigail. 
and fell in love. And then I was like, oh, man. I totally went back uh, about them and Conspiracy. All the Roadmaster King Diamond uh, remasters. But I, I really didn't get into to Merciful Fate that much. And funny enough, what made me give Merciful Fate uh, a, a shot was off a Metallica, a Metallica album that I hated. I did not like that Garage Days re-revisited, or Garage Inc., I should yeah. say. But that's where they did the Merciful Fate melody. Well, this a, too is awesome. you got to admit that. Right. And, 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 a, and a friend of mine had that. And I listened, I was like, ah, let me hear this shit. And I really liked that. And I was like, oh, okay. But still, for whatever reason, I just stuck with the King Diamond. Really didn't get into Merciful Fate. Uh, I really checked out the Merciful Fate when I first met you, and, and we did the episode where we did the, uh, you know, 80s Merciful Fate. We did the the EP, Don't uh, Melissa, Don't Break the Oath. Uh, oh, oh I, I should say that this is what I did do. This is the one I did buy. When I was buying all the King Diamond uh, shit, right around that time, the Nine album came out, the last studio album from, from Merciful Fate. And I absolutely loved that album. I love Nine. I really, really like that one. And, uh, <clears throat> but it was weird for whatever reason. <clears throat> I didn't go back and get the other Merciful Fate. I was just like, I, I, I kept buying the current King Diamond, but I didn't go back and get the Merciful Fate, even though I really love Nine. But then I really got into them uh, when I met you. And, and then and you said you wanted to do the 80s of Merciful Fate. I was like, okay. Um, and, and I got very much into that era of Merciful Fate. But I, for whatever reason, because I have so many fucking albums. I got 17,000 fucking albums. I, I never went back, even though I had them, I never went back and checked them out. Uh, until you said, hey, let's do this. And I was like, okay. I'm like, I got it. I never listened to it. But I'm open to new shit. Especially because of recent episodes that we've done. You know, that I've bitched about other people not listening to. The the Iced Earth episode, the Armored Saint. These albums that I had in my collection but never checked out. Uh, and and totally blew my mind. Both uh, you know, Stormbringer and, and, and Revelations by, by Armored Saint. I was like, okay, well maybe this in the shadows will be like that. And uh, I, I gotta say, I'm glad you picked this. But the minute you said it, like... Hey, let's do Merciful Fate in the Shadows. Like, okay, well, there's another episode nobody will listen to. But chances are it's going to be a great album. Well, and again, again, uh, I got to bring the, the the glass half full. Uh, no, it's nobody's that won't listen to it. It's the true and killer metalheads. Whatever numbers it is, those numbers are the fucking people that either love Merciful Fate or, and I will even say, even cooler than the ones that love Merciful Fate, the ones that are not sure and will listen to us to see, hey, let's see what they're about. You know what I mean? Well, uh, a thing that makes me hopeful about this is our Merciful Fate episode that we did way back in the fucking, uh, uh, in the Terrence era. That episode did very well. Now, we did Fatal Portrait, the Solo King Diamond album, and that one didn't do so hot. Uh, but you know, I always laugh when I think back to the, to when we did the eighties merciful fate, I'll never forget this. Cause I'm writing down my notes and I must've numbered something different. And, and I was given my review of this song and I was like, Oh yeah. King sounds great on this. The guitars are great. 
what do you think, Ralph? And you're like, well, I think you didn't listen to this fucking song because it's an instrumental. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so really? I, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, 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 yeah, yeah. You totally called me on it, and then I realized I'd fucked my notes up because you're like, yeah, this isn't even the song we're talking about, you dumbass. And I was like, oh, oh that, shit. Yeah, somebody far away because that's the only instrumental I know of. Right, yeah, yeah, but but when I was reading my notes, I was like, oh, yeah, King sounds great, the band sounds great. You're like, yeah, yeah, you didn't hear this shit. Oh, oh you're talking about Fatal Portrait. Or no, Merciful no, no, Fate. No. Oh, Merciful no, Fate, no. yeah. Yeah, it was Merciful Fate. But uh, that, that always made me laugh. And I know I did listen to it. I just must have wrote my notes down wrong. Right. Uh, but, yeah, when you said, you said do this, I was like, you know what? I'm totally in that frame right now with the show i could give a fuck about what's popular i could give a i love shit. i love hey. that you're finally on my page yeah because no, i would always your... tell you fuck it you know you'd call me oh yeah. man this episode did horrible i was like who gives a fuck dude yeah now now i just got to get you onto my page where you'll listen to something you don't know <laughs> well I, I i'm willing to do it as long as it's stone or rock or something that not yeah. not curious right because look 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 let you know Besides, you know, I'm not being biased here. I like rock or hard rock. Even if it sucks and it's a stoner rock band that I'm going to end up hating, at least right. it rocks. You know right. what I mean? I don't want to hear computer generetic, uh, you know, singing about girls that made him cry because he got laid. You know, I don't want to hear shit like that. It just bothers hey, me. I, hey, I've never asked you to listen to that. that I know, no, 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 no. I know it was <laughs> Nate. I'm just saying. I don't right. mind listening to a band I don't know as long as it's in the rock genre. You know, we right, are the rock I, and metal combat podcast. Right, but but I know, you know, you, you definitely, and, and you have to admit this, you, you prefer to listen to albums that you don't have to study. I do, but, yes. but, but, uh, I have a big bias of albums I got to study from bands I know I hate. Now, if right. like, like, I don't want to do a Primus episode. I don't want to do Faith no more. Right. But if you say... Uh, what is it, Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats? Okay, I heard a song or two, and I'm like, yeah, I'll, I don't mind listening to this. Right. Or like, like, uh, what was that stoner band we did? That uh, the Great Orchard. Marshall. Yeah, Orchard. yeah. See, yeah. I enjoyed it. I mean, you know, someone was okay, and I mean, it didn't. I didn't run out and buy it, but I enjoyed it. It was a good listen. I right. like listening. To, I like studying stuff. Because uh, you never know, I might end up loving it. As long yeah. as it rocks, that's all I ask. Yeah. And, and I don't and, want, like, you know, hysteria. It was like, fuck! You know, shit like that. It's like, I don't want to study shit like that. Poison, right. I want to study because I love to laugh. Right. But th this is one, like, I, I knew I had to study, uh, but but I knew it would be worth it. And, uh, you know, even, even if I didn't like it... Uh, it, you know, I have respect for the band, so I'll give it a try. And exactly. uh, I, I was glad when you picked this, and I was more than eager to uh, to learn this album. And I, I should say, this is one uh, that you just told me the other night that you wanted to do this. And in the last two days, I've listened to this album six times. That's awesome. So, uh, so even though I I won't have the history uh, with this. Uh, you know, I've def I definitely know the songs, and uh, and and I think I have something to add. So I'm looking forward to this review. Yeah, me too. I I, I really I really love talking about Merciful Fate in general. Period. It's one of the right. bands I love to yap about. You know, because they're so they're so amazing. And and you know what, man? I mean, when I first got into Merciful Fate, they were beyond underground. I mean, I, I my jaw dropped when MTV played Family Ghost by King Diamond. I was like. 
You gotta be fucking kidding me. King Diamond on MTV? Right. Go ahead. And and I was gonna say, this is a band that you didn't really read about this band in Hit Parader. No. You know, this this is the one you had to get, like, Metal Maniacs. Kerrang. Or, or, yeah, Kerrang. Or, you know, if, if, you know, you old school people remember, remember when Metal Edge, before it went full-blown Poser, when it was, like, half glossy and half black and white? Yeah. You could read about bands like this in Metal Edge, even. Uh, but it was always an underground thing, and, uh, you know, I used to love the ads in the magazines that would just be, like, selling T-shirts. And even though you didn't read a lot about this band, you would always see, like, Merciful Fate T-shirts you could order. Right. You know, that, that were incredible, you know, having, you know, of course they had great artwork with the, you know, Melissa, Don't Break the Oath. Those are shirts, I mean, albums that just beg for a T-shirt, you know. Uh, you know, and there was the rise in popularity of King Diamond, so there was a little bit of interest, but, you know, this is a band, back in the day, you really had to search out. They didn't search you out, you had to find them. Oh, yeah, no, if it wasn't, and I told this story, and I'm not going to go into the whole story again, listen to the Merciful Fate episode. I discovered this band because of my friend, who had a band, walked into rehearsal with uh, the Merciful Fate EP, and they had a stair- uh, turntable hooked up to Marshall Amps. And he put on that, and it, cha- it literally, literally changed my life and dove me straight into the underground. Because Merciful Fate was the band that made me explore Venom and Celtic Frost and Slayer, you know, Show No Mercy, all Anvil, all these Raven. I mean, I could go on and on with the list, you know? I mean. So, it, so right off the bat, his voice didn't bother me. Not at all. Actually, it, it intrigued me so much because. I, yes, it threw me for a loop going, what the fuck? But then I kept hearing Satan, Satan, and back then Satan. To say Satan in a song? I mean, right. I would freak out when I heard, uh, my name is Lucifer, please take my hand. I'm like, ooh, ooh, but Satan even is a more dirtier, bitey word than Lucifer, you know what I mean? And right. this guy couldn't stop saying Satan in the fucking EP. And then you flip the album over and you see this fucking freak with an upside down cross on his head. This is unheard of in 83. Yeah. It was like the most taboo shit in the world. And to hear Corpse Without a Soul with that insane guitar solo and the band going 100 miles an hour, I never heard anything like this. And then you hear this voice that's like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, I need I need this album. I need to look into this guy. And I really honestly thought nobody, I mean nobody, is ever going to know of Merciful Fate. This is going to be a band that's strictly underground, that no, will never get any type of attention because back in those days, it was, dude, it was the, the, the Bible thumpers, you know, like blaming sticks for being devil worshipers, where sticks was like, not, they wouldn't, even, you know, it's just because of the name of sticks. Or with, you know, the, the river in hell. Yeah, you know, right. You know, and, and, you know, ELO and all these bands were, the, you know, they were being accused of, uh, by preachers being satanic, where you have this band that doesn't hide it at all. They're like, Satan, you know, and then, you know, uh, Jesus, the great deceiver, you know, it's like shit like that. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. And I'm like, this will never, ever, this, you know, and it's like one of those things, like, you know, D. Snyder said it best. D. Snyder said, when you discover a band that nobody knows of, it's kind of like a diamond you put in your pocket. 
But yeah. then when they become big, they get that diamond, they put it on a display, and there's so many people in front of you looking at that diamond, and you're in the back, and you can't get to the diamond anymore. So that's that makes bands special to me, you know? Like, Merciful Fate was my band. Nobody knew about them, and it tur- and, and, and it was wild because, dude, I know a lot of people can't stand King Diamond's vocals. Back in, back in those days, every fucking dude, dude, I showed it to, Loved it. The chicks were like laughing at it. What the hell? They couldn't get into it. Except for my great friend Eve. I love uh, her. She loved Nuns Have No Fun. She's like, that song rules. So that was the only girl that got it back then. Did today? Go look at the female base of King Diamond. There's a lot of chicks that love him, you know? But back then, it was unheard of. So, yeah, dude, I got it right off the bat because of the uniqueness and because of the the tabooness of of, um, of the word Satan and a vocal that was just so fucking amazingly uh, eerie and weird and and there was such a mystery to King Diamond because the next album you buy was uh, um, Melissa and you see him you know on the altar with the with the smoke and you don't really see his face that well and then you see Don't Break the Oath he's coming out of that castle. And he's just a silhouette. There was something so special about King Diamond for me back then. And still, nobody was understanding it. And what I was saying before about um, Family Ghost playing on MTV, that I was like, whoa, I couldn't believe it. Before that, uh, Heavy Metal Mania had a little news segment where they said, oh, Motorhead is touring with Exciter and Merciful Fate. And I was like, oh my God, they mentioned Merciful Fate on MTV. It was so special that this shit got any type of attention. You know, right. and then thank God for, for King Diamond solo, man. Thank God for Abigail and them. Those two albums brought them to the spotlight, you know, and is the reason Merciful Fate did get back together, you know, because King Diamond is, you know, brought, you know, you'd go see King Diamond live. He'd always play evil, come to the Sabbath, you know, like he, select Merciful Fate songs that turned King Diamond fans onto, you know, this early, like what you were saying earlier. You know, you, you knew King Diamond first. You didn't know nothing about Merciful Fate, you know? Right, right. And, you know, uh, Metallica helped a lot, too. I hate, I hate what Metallica did. You know how you always say that you hate melodies? Right. You no, know, that's what that shit is. It's a melody. Right, right. And I can't stand it, but I know I'm the only person that thinks this, because Ruben De La Rosa. I love that guy. Loves that Merciful Fate melody. And so does everybody else I know. They always tell me. Dude, that I was like, dude, I don't get it, dude. I just don't get it. I mean, it's, well, I, I think what it was with that is when I heard the rift of fucking Curse of the Pharaohs. Yeah, oh it made God. me go back and look because I love that fucking riff so bad. Yeah, you, you know, know what? I'll give you that. Uh, you know, musically, it's not bad. They stuck to you know how they played it, and they also threw in the original intro to Satan's Fall that's not on Melissa, the demo version, which was cool. You know, I thought that was cool. I mean, it's it showed that you know. Uh, and we will talk about Metallica later on this album. Um, but um, musically, it was, I mean, it wasn't as good as Merciful Fate, but at least, you know, it, it, it kept true to, uh, you know, musically. But James Hetfield's voice, it's like, I'm not used to it. Like, say, yeah, where, you know, King Diamond's hitting that crazy high note that your your dad said was a parakeet. Right, right. But, uh, you know, at that time, James Hetfield's voice, that's when he thought he was fucking Merle Haggard. Yeah, it was terrible. That 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 album's terrible. Tuesday's Gone by fucking Skinner. Oh my god. 
Oh, what oh whiskey in the jar. Horrible. Yeah. But this too, man, saves it for me because it's all the killer old B-sides. Anyway, right. so, uh, yeah. Um, you want to get into this? Yeah, let's do it. All right. You want to take the first one or should I? Okay. Well, well first, <laughs> first of all, before we start, uh, I just wanted to, to go over again. So, uh, you knew that this was coming out before it came out, right? Yes. I mean, this is yes. something you were it waiting for. It was something for. that I was freaking out over. Badly. I was freaking out. But, you know, also, you got to remember, before this album came out, not that long before it, they released um, Night of the Vampire. Right. Uh, and which was... On Roadrunner, yeah. Oh, my God. That's a great... I mean, it's all the old demos and stuff and, you know, Burning the Cross. And, I mean, that's a great... I mean, it's primitive. And it's, you know, it's just like a lot of those songs are kind of blueprints of what was come later. But it was such a great, it, it kept me, you know, like, you know, wow, this is cool that they released this, you know. But then when I heard they were actually getting together, which honestly, to tell you the truth, I never thought was going to happen. And when it did, and right. I think a lot of it has to do with King Diamond's career was starting to, you know, wane a little bit after the eye, right. you know, and Spider's Lullaby wasn't doing that well. Right. I think you know. Well, this came out. This came out. I think before Spider. It came out after the Eye, but before Spider's Lullaby. Okay. Well, the Eye, which is a phenomenal album, didn't have a video. wasn't promoted well, and it wasn't. Right. It didn't have the same buzz as Conspiracy and them. Right. Right. <clears throat> so you know, it's kind of like okay, I need to do something here. So and you know, and the whole time this was being recorded, King Diamond, you know, uh, was not broken up at all. You know, it's just something he did to get, you know, hey, man, I need a little money. So they probably, at right. play probably offered him a good amount. And I'm glad they did because this album, as, as you will see me bitch about it a little bit, it stays true to the spirit of Merciful Fate in some parts. You know, in some parts, right. it's totally like, wait, this ain't Merciful Fate to me, but but it's still good. Right. But I'll get into that later. All right, well, you, you, you take the first song, Egypt, and, uh, you know, as a guy who was waiting for this, let me know what you thought when you first heard the opening track. Oh, my God. And I heard this before the video came out, which the video is phenomenal. I love the video. But this song, man, it starts off with that soft acoustic, and then it just crushes. And, and that opening vocals that King Diamond does on this transcends music to, to me dude that oh gee it it does something to me that i don't know that that's more special than music there's something i don't know dude I, uh it's it's almost like spiritual i mean people that can't get into his voice is missing out on so much it's like you two fans that get that charge from bono's voice i'm missing out on that you know what i mean it's not like you know i'm superior People that, you know, listen to Bono and think that voice is majestic or whatever. I'm missing out on that whole thing. And I think the same thing about those people that don't like King Diamond. They really don't understand what they're missing out on. I do. I understand because I don't get into you too. And that's a stadium band. Um, and this song, dude. And then the band. See, here's the thing. It starts off with that great, great vocal that's majestic and beyond music. And then it goes into this thing that reminds me of the beginning of Corpse Without a Soul, the very first song I heard from. You know, a killer guitar solo with the wah, and I'm not a big fan of the wah, but man, it just worked so well on this. And the song, again, King Diamond to me, 
his lyrics about, you know, it's fantasy horror shit. You know, and I and I saw an interview with King Diamond talking about this song, and he said this song is about an out-of-body experience where the soul travels to Egypt and faces the court of the old Egyptian god, and the Egyptian gods are trying to make him choose which way to go, but at the same time, he's trying to get back to his body because if he doesn't, it, his body will die, and he will die, essentially. And that's what this song's about. And I love it. It's 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 different than Merciful Fate lyric-wise because it doesn't mention Satan once, but it's still a spooky fucking song. And that's what I love about King Diamond's lyrics. And just the whole vibe of the, the, the riff changes. Nobody does it better than that. This song right here is the perfect opening track and the perfect single. Well, there's two singles from the album, or two videos from the album. But it's the perfect fucking song to reintroduce, you know, Merciful Fate. Look, we're back. And it's like, wow. So, yeah, the first time I heard this song, I was like, dude, the hair was standing in my arms going, my God, my band is back. So, yeah, I love Egypt. What do you think? Uh, I, I dig it. I think it's a good track. Uh, I'm glad you clarified what the song was about because uh, I, I read the lyrics for every track, too. Uh, because King Diamond's one of those, you know, you got to read it because it, it's usually a story, and it's a great story, right? Always. So, so, so uh, you know, as I'm listening to this, I'm reading the lyrics as well, and I couldn't tell for sure. I'm like, is Egypt? I'm like, is this about mummies or what the fuck is it? I I couldn't figure it out, but I dug it. I, I thought it was a good track. I thought it was a good opening track, but immediately when I heard this, to me, coming from what I learned through you going back and listening to Melissa and uh, and Don't Break the Oath. To me, it sounded much more King Diamond-ish uh, than, than Merciful Fate. But the difference being, to me, something unique about King Diamond is, is the, the guitar playing of Andy LaRock, which is very different than what Michael Denner and, uh, and Hank Sherman do. But I thought this is like, to me, it was a mixture. It wasn't a thousand percent merciful fate. To me, it's leaning a little bit more towards King Diamond. But I, but I still liked the song, and I thought it was a good album. Well, uh, what I would say about that is that I can, I don't, I don't think so. But I can understand how you would think so because. This whole album, you can say, it sounds more like King Diamond and Merciful Fate because it's produced much better. It doesn't have that that uh, primitive production. But I think this song right. is leans way more toward Merciful Fate musically because of the crazy changes and it's not really so... I don't know, uh, keyboard, you know, because King Diamond is much more keyboard. And uh, I don't know, I just... But you know, it, it it I I can also say it doesn't really sound like classical Merciful Fate, but what what it does sound like is a logical step forward, to a, a change in the sound. You know, how most bands, uh, you know, their next album doesn't sound like the previous album. Right. So I can I I can definitely see Merciful Fate like if they were to make the next album that would sound like you know go to the next level, uh, which I think they kind of did. If you listen to this 80s stuff, I mean, I see a difference in Melissa with the EP, and I see a difference with uh, uh, Don't Break the Don't Break the Elf had keyboards on it, you know. Right. But um, but it was a, and I think this is kind of like a, the logical 
step. But there are songs coming up that's total 80s fade. Total. You know? I mean, musically, not production-wise. But okay, so why don't you take the next song? The Amazing Bell Witch. All right, The Bell Witch. Uh, which, this was a single as well, I take it? Yes. Well, they had a video for it. Okay, yeah, and I know they did after this, they did the Bell Witch EP, yes. which had, uh, you know, two songs from this album, uh, plus four live songs. No, I, it was uh, really, uh, oh, fuck, man. I mean, I could have sworn it was just one uh, studio track and the rest was live. No, it, it had the Bell Witch, Is That You, Melissa? And then the live tracks were Curse the Pharaohs, Egypt, Come to the Sabbath, and Black Funeral. Yeah, that's, that's something I should slap on again. You know, I mean, I haven't listened to that EP forever. Uh, but the Bell Witch, uh, again, man, a, a good track with some tasty fucking solos. And, uh, you know, this is something I, I, I liked when I was, when I went on the webpage that I was looking at for the lyrics, it also broke down who did the solo, which, like, which one was Sherman, which one was Denner. Which I like that, because that's something, you know, back in the 80s, if you used to buy uh, the Judas Priest albums, they would always break it down in the liner notes. You could see who was KK, who was Glenn Tipton, and shit like that. And I like seeing that and listening to, you know, the little subtle differences. Um, again, though, something that's different, is it, it is like a horror-style song, but, uh, you know, it, it's funny where I find... You know, you know the the first two studio albums in the EP very much like European horror metal. Uh, here, here's here's a thing written about an American uh, folk tale, the Bell Witch, which is a witch in Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, so you you kind of see them drawing American influences into you know what the song writes about. It's not straight up Satan. It's still horror. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a little bit different from the first two albums. Uh, and, and, and again, I think it, it falls much more in line with the storytelling as the King Diamond than the Merciful Fate. I agree. And, I, and I'm not saying that it is, is like a slag or like, like, you know, I'm just saying you see different influences coming into play because at this point, you know, uh, you know, King Diamond lives in Texas. He has, you know, forever. This album was recorded in Texas. Uh, but you see, you see different influences. But I really like this song, and especially I love the interplay on the solos. I love the storytelling on it, you know. But it, it's always got those uh, those multiple breaks, and I think that's something that's unique to to Merciful Fate versus King Diamond. Where in King Diamond, I mean, you, you have a rhythm guitar player, and you have Andy LaRock, you know, and, and you're gonna get that guitar solo from Andy. But here, you're going to have multiple breaks where you get the little Denner break and you get the Sherman break. And and I think that's what makes it unique, Merciful Fate. Uh, I, I, I really dig this song. Big fan. What do you think? Love it. Love the fuck out of this song. Um, I should mention, I saw this tour and I, I have to bring up this story. I was all the way up front, dead center against the board right in front of King Diamond. And before the show started, this girl came up to me and said, I am the biggest fan of Merciful Fate, King Diamond. Can I please stand where you are? And I said, out of, and she was fine too. And I said, out of everybody here against this board, I'm the last person you should ask. Seriously. 
You know, and she was a young girl. I was like, what are you, fucking, what were you, like, seven years old when the EP came out? Get the fuck out of me. Get the fuck out of my face, you fine piece of ass. Metal comes before your ass. Anyway, so. I I, I gotta say one last thing. I fucking hate that. I hate that at a concert so much. When a chick thinks just because she's hot. Yeah. That that she can get up there like, like, you know, and you're, you're the fucking guy that's been there waiting in line. Like hours before the show starts, yeah. You did everything. Like you passed the merch booth, you passed the beer line, you did everything you could to get up front because some chick's cute with a nice set of tits. You're gonna let her up front. No, I never fall for that. I'm like, sorry, bitch. Get in the back. Get in the pit. You want to really show me how hardcore you are? Get in the fucking pit. And go a couple rounds. Yeah, then and, t- and then and, tell me how hardcore you are. And the timeline. She came up to me before they came out. She didn't come up to me before Flotsam and Jetsam. You know, they opened. Right. I was against the board for Fox. I mean, I was, dude, I was in, yeah, like you said, I was hours in front of that line at the edge. I was all the way up front. I got there like at right. three in the afternoon, dude. And I right. stood there. I, st- I stood there front of the line. I was the first person in line, me and my buddy. And when they opened that fucking, I ran in there. I didn't see, I didn't look at the shirts. I didn't give a fuck. I said, dude, I just hope they have my size at the end of the show. And I ran right. all the way up front grabbed the fucking railing and just stayed there, you know? Right. Because this was this was the moment I've been waiting for. And I got to say, it is definitely in my top five greatest shows I've ever seen in my life. Right. But, and th- and that, that, that's something I want to say, you know, for all these other kids, uh, you know, these new kids. I'm not taking anything away from you. But, you know, back in our day, when you really want to see a show like that, you know, there was no, like, Oh, I have a pre-code to order online a week before they go on sale. No. You waited out lot, you know, when it was like, oh, Ticketmaster, Tickertron. You waited wherever. You waited in line. If you really wanted those good seats bad, you paid for that shit. And the same thing with the day of the show. You know, if it was something general admission, the people that were waited the longest, you got the first chance of this shit there was no like oh my dad works for this company and they got a bunch of free tickets and shit you know so we're in the front row no it was like the legitimate fans the yeah. hardcore motherfuckers were up front it's nothing like that these days general admission and i specifically remember driving to specs record the day the, the tickets went on sale no there was no line this is merciful fate the same fucking you know motley crew Right. Uh, I just went there, walked into Specs, and said, yeah, I want a, a ticket for you know, me and my buddy. Well, we want tickets for Merciful Fate. We got them. Yes, all right, yeah. And then the day of the show, let's get there early. You know, we got there at 3 in the right. afternoon and sat there. Sat there. And then, like, uh, he took off to get food, came back, and, you know, he still had his place in line. But, uh, and then we ate there, and then they opened the door, and I just, dude, ran in. Ran, I didn't have to run in because I'm front of the line. I still ran in anyway because of my right. passion. For this fucking right. band. So the reason I bring up this show, uh, number one, I'm going to talk about the songs they didn't play, which is unfortunate, but what can you do? They have so much classic shit. But Egypt was played, Bell Witch was played, and the Bell Witch video, half of the Bell Witch video, I believe is in Wacken. I know it's some outdoor festival. The other half, the Fort Lauderdale show is that. It's that, nice. that footage because I own that show. Because my nice. buddy filmed it on a tripod and was allowed and Merciful Fate obviously got the footage. So 
I have that full show. And, you know, it's so special because King Diamond at one part in Gypsy, when he goes, you are the Satan's child. And so, no, he goes, oh, oh, fuck, man. Why am I having a brain fart now? You are the, the, and and so am I. And he goes like, and he goes, so am I. And then he, because I'm singing every goddamn word. And he just looks at me and he, I always watch this video, dude. And it's on YouTube. He points right at me and he goes, you better believe it. And I'm like, oh my God. You know, King Diamond's so special. Like, like the first time I saw him, Abigail, uh, again, front row, all the way up front. I touched his boot during Abigail, the Abigail show. And I just felt like, oh my God, I just, I just, I just touched an entity. King Diamond to me is like, Dude, I am such a fucking fanboy of that guy. I am, like, ridiculous. You know, I'm, like, voguing with Motley Crue when it comes to King Diamond. That man can do no wrong. Even the shit that I'm like, eh, which I forgot to mention, I do not own Abigail 2 on vinyl either, Um, which I want to. You know, I'll get it. I got it on CD. But anyway, Bell Witch was played that night, and yes, I have it on video, and I'm so honored that they actually played you know they used that footage for the actual video uh which uh beavis and butt had totally destroyed and that didn't make me happy but you know it was the grunge days you know beavis and butt had cannot love metal unless it was pantera you know um and again this song uh lyrically lyrically yeah it doesn't mention satan but it does have that merciful fate uh haunted vibe but so did them, you know. This song is no different than a lot of uh, King Diamond subject matters, where King Diamond always wrote songs of horror that involved a little girl, and this one's no different because this is a song about a family haunted by a spirit that's hundreds and hundreds of years old that scares the fuck out of a twelve-year-old girl, and then kills her father, and then after kills her father, like fucking vanished. Right, you know? and and which you know. To our listeners, look up, go on Wikipedia, look up the Bell Witch, because that is a Tennessee legend. Oh, so it's actually a true story. I mean, a true uh, 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 fable. Yes, yes. That, that's something that's been around since the 1800s in Tennessee. The Bell Witch uh, is a legendary, you know, that that's like the Blair Witch before the Blair Witch is the Bell Witch. That's awesome. I See, I yeah. didn't know that. You see, you, yeah. you educated me on merciful fate, bro. Yeah, look, look, look it up. It's a very interesting story, they, and they have a very lengthy page. It's very detailed about how it went from, uh, you know, being a local folk legend to it was one of the first big stories in America that kind of became part of American folklore. And and then there's also, you know, people who say this was the first time that, you know, somebody made something up and passed it off as folklore. But, but irregardless whether it's true or not this has been around since 1800 so yeah the bell witch google that shit yeah and musically yeah well, uh, I'm just gonna mirror what you say like you know the guitar solo back, back, uh, and again yeah a big difference between because this is how I can tell the difference between Merciful Fate and King Diamond well I gotta admit later Merciful Fate albums is more King Diamond than this definitely but I see Merciful Fate as more of a straight-ahead rock metal band, where King Diamond was a little bit more, um, you know, storytelling, epic, uh, you know, with a lot of textures and keyboards and and a lot of mood stuff, uh, where this is just straightforward shit. And uh, 
Bellwitch fucking rules. I'll take the next one. It's called The Old Oak. Um, this song has classic fate written all over it because it has multiple riff changes and different tempos, which I love. But I think this song suffers from the, perf- the perfect production. And of course, no Kim Ruz. If it was recorded with Kim, with that 80s productions, I can see more of a charm in this song. And uh, and they also, I think they have to change the subject matter too because a Merciful Fate song about a haunted tree, you know, it fits better on a King Diamond album, but it would have to it would have to be on an album like The Eye and Spire's Lullaby where it's not a full concept because, you know, um, how the fuck are you going to make a full album about a fucking tree? You know what I mean? Um, but I can't say this is a bad song at all, but... Up to the Merciful Fate standards, this would be the first song they did so far that does not match the awesomeness of Classic Fate. Not slamming it. I even think there's a song here worse than this. But I kind of think it's like not up to the standards, but it's still a good listen. And I do love it musically with the insane changes. And this is the first song on this album that has those crazy changes all through the album. I mean, all through the song. That's like the classic fate with two before it had a few changes here and there, but it was a little more straightforward than classic fate. What do you think of the old Oak? Uh, <clears throat> well, this just shows how we differ and, uh, <clears throat> you know, you have a little bit more history with this band. So I can see where <clears throat> you have a little bit more, you know, prejudice or, you know, this is true. And this is, isn't, I fucking love this song. It's the longest song on the album. Is it? It's longer than uh, Legend of the Headless Rider. Yes, uh, by over a minute. This oh, song wow. is this song is eight minutes and fifty five seconds, but to me, doesn't feel like it one bit. It flows so good. Uh, they just it seems like one of the good old Maiden songs that is long as shit, but it doesn't feel like it. Where you know uh, later Maiden songs that are long as shit, you're like every minute of it, you're like, oh god, when is it over? When is it over? You know, to me, this is great. And, and I love what it's... It's basically about a hanging tree and uh, how the ground below is cursed by, you know, the blood of the people who have been hung. And it also gives reference to uh, to the American Indian and how the Indians saw it as, as a sacred place. And again, it shows me, like, wow, the, you know... King Diamond's really getting interested in American, you know, folklore and stories. You know, coming from the first couple, like I said, very European. Here's another one that's an American story. Uh, But I really love this song. Uh, This one, the music was written by Hank Sherman. Uh, I really dig it. I love the different interplay, all the different solos on this. Yeah, musically, Uh, I I, I, I gotta say, musically, it's awesome. I think it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sad to see it's not higher on your list. But, no, uh, it's it's hey, down it's down at the bottom with the other one. It, it's it's all gravy, but uh, I I really love this song. One of excuse me, one of my favorites on this one. Okay, interesting. Why don't you take uh, the not the which is not the title track, Shadows. Shadows. Okay, let me look at my notes here. Uh, really cool track. I, 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 I like this one. And to me, it, it's weird because to me, this one doesn't necessarily sound like King Diamond or Merciful Fate. 
It kind of sounds like a whole new band. But in a way, this album to me sounds like a whole new band. Because I, I find it very different than Melissa and Don't Break the Oath. You know, as a whole. I don't find a whole lot on this album that, to my ears, sounds like Melissa or Don't Break the Oath. Very little. Uh, but at the same time, I find it very different than King Diamond. Maybe more akin to King Diamond uh, in a... in you know, a lyrical aspect, but musically, this sounds like a whole new band. Uh, and, and I, and I really dig it. I don't think it's as, uh, thrashy as the first two merciful fades. And I, I don't find it as melodramatic as King diamond. I, I just find it to be a whole new beast. To me, it's really, a, you know, and, and yes, King, King, Kim rung, uh, Kim Ruz isn't there. But to me, this is really like Merciful Fate Mach 2. Even though you got four out of the five. There's something different about this album. And I went on, I, I was on such a Merciful Fate kick after listening to this album. I went and listened to some other ones that I hadn't heard yet. And uh, I think there's a total difference in like the reunion era of Merciful Fate than the original. Uh but I love Shadows. I think it's really cool. I think the song works. What do you think? Fucking love it. I love this song. That killer opening riff and, the, you know, the few changes, not as much as you regularly uh, would, um, you know, expect. But, you know, lyrically, uh, even though it doesn't mention Satan, it does, to me, fit the spirit of True Merciful Fate so well because it's a ghostly image that disappears once the sun comes up. But when it's dark, it comes back and watches people that live in a house. It's spooky and killer image. You know, these images conjured by the lyrics with the genius of Denner and Sherman supplying this driving riffage to make this a total underrated classic that, as far as I know, was never played live. As long as well as the old oak tree. Those two I don't think have ever been played live. But uh, I think it's a shame this one wasn't played live. I love that opening. You see, Merciful Fate did do songs like this back then. If you listen to like Black Masses and Curse of the Pharaohs too, it's it's not so changey. And this one does have change. It has a couple changes. Well, maybe, but, maybe, maybe it's the production then, but to yeah, me, yeah, it, the it production, which I will agree with you when you said this is Mach Two. Yes, I kind of see it like you know how. Deep Purple is Mach 2 because of Ian Gillen and Roger Glover. I right. see I see Snowy Shaw as Ian Gillen and Roger Glover. You know, where it's, you know, I... I right, but, but Snowy Shaw didn't play on this. He didn't? No. Oh, oh, I'm surprised you didn't know that. No, Snowy Shaw is credited for this. Who did and he? He did play on the tour, but on the album, it's a guy called Morton, Mort, Morton Neil, uh, Nielsen. Yeah, you see, you're educating me again. I had no yeah, idea. Yeah. I thought it was Snowy Shaw. Yeah, because he's on the album. He's credited as a drummer. Right. right. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, he is. And it even says on, on, you know, if you look on Wikipedia, it says drums, and then in quotation it says credited, but it said additional musicians. It was Morton Nielsen, and this was a guy they wanted him to be the drummer, but he suffered a uh, a knee injury. That prevented him from doing the tour, and that's when they got Snowy Shaw because Snowy Shaw at that point had been drumming for King Diamond, well, but he didn't play on the album. 
Well, you see, that's the difference between then and now, because back then, Metal Maniacs wouldn't tell you that. Today, Wikipedia right. will. You know what right. I mean? Right. So, wow, I did not know that. I always thought it was because of Snowy Shell, so it's about, it's really Morton that, that made this album. He's yes. no fucking Kim Ruz either. He's, but you see, Snowy Shaw is a perfect drummer like this dude. You know what I mean? Uh, where uh, I, I prefer Snowy Shaw to Morton. I will tell you that. I'll get into that in a later song. But, but I will tell you this. Uh, Morton doesn't have that organic feel Kim Ruz had. No. He just no. doesn't. And, I, and neither I does agree. Snowy. And that's what makes this album very different than Merciful F- than the greatest band of the 80s. You know what I mean? I, I agree. And, I, and I, I'll get into that more with the next song. Uh, but, but no, I agree with you there. Well, I, I would like to know what you think of the next song. You, you tell me, and then I'll get into it. The gr- okay. Gruesome Time. Okay, yeah. Okay, I already said, yeah, I, I love Shadows. Okay, Gruesome Time. Uh, another one, to me, is really different. But I really like this song. This one was uh, written by Michael Denner. This is the first one that musically was created to, uh, to Denner. And I, I like it. Again, it's a different shade. Uh, to Merciful Fate and again why I said I, I almost see this as a mock too because I, I could not hear this song on, on you know Nuns Have No Fun or Melissa or fucking Don't Break the Oath but I can hear it here and it sounds really good but this is the first song of the album where I really noticed uh, what you've always said about oh in my opinion uh, Merciful Fate with Kim Ruz did no wrong uh, you know, and I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I was like, God damn, does Kim, Kim Ruz make that much of a fucking difference? And then when I heard this song, I was like, I see exactly what you're saying. And it's because I, I started noticing specifically on this song that the drums are just too stock. Like, I, I feel like anybody could have played drums on this. Like, Bobby Blotzer could have played drums on this song, and you wouldn't have known the fucking difference. But when you go back and listen to Melissa, Don't Break the Oath, Nuns Have No Fun, you know, all that stuff, you definitely hear a much more organic drumming. You, you, you've you nailed that with Kim Ruz. And now I see what you're talking about. Like, there's that little something that's missing. And it's almost like a Black Sabbath 13. You know, it's not horrible drumming, but it's just too pedestrian. And uh, I was curious. So after I listened to this album, I listened to the next one. Uh, time, and I believe I believe Snowy Shaw did a much better drumming job than this Morton guy did. Uh, not not that the drums are horrible on here, but it's almost like they're secondary. You know, it's just like okay, here's the band, and then this guy's drumming. It doesn't feel like they did it in the studio. It feels like they did everything else, and then some guy came in here reading sheet music and played the drums. It's not organic. It's not bombastic. Uh, it's, it's, it's pedestrian. It's Dave Holland, if you will. Uh, you know, uh, anybody, anybody could have done the drumming on this album. And, and, and that's my only complaint about this, but this is the first song where I noticed it, but it doesn't take away, uh, from what I think about the song, because I think it's really interesting and really different. And, uh, again, as you know, I'm hearing this for the first time, I was like, wow, you know, this, you know, you hear King Diamond's voice, but it doesn't sound like King Diamond musically, but at the same time, it doesn't sound 
like the earlier shit musically. It doesn't remind me of anything that's come before. This is a whole new beast, but I love what they did here. I think uh, Gruesome Time is a great track. What do you think? Well, here's where we differ. This is my least favorite track on the album. Okay. I feel this should not have been on the album, actually. I can handle Oak Tree, but this one to me is forgettable. I mean, the only saving grace is there is some awesome riffage on here, and the solo is great. But the lyrics about revenge on somebody who is evil, yeah, that's not merciful fate to me, man. I mean, uh, back in the day, you know, revenge on somebody evil was the preacher that killed uh, Melissa, you know, that they considered that evil, you know, and I, and, but this one is like, they don't really go into, I'm, I'm getting picky lyric-wise, they don't really go into how this person's evil. Uh, yeah, to me, toss this one in the trash for the most part because I, I put Merciful Fate too much on a pedestal. And I think this one is not worthy to even be, like, touching the pedestal on the bottom. So this is my only, the only track on here that I have a problem with. But again, I have to stress, the riffage and solos are great. All right, I'll take the next one, uh, 13 Invitations. This one is like a dangerous meeting part two lyric-wise. A card game where if you win, you get eternal life. And if you lose, you lose your soul. And they're playing with the devil that has the winning card, the King of Diamonds. How cool is that? You gotta fucking love that. Uh, musically, it's a killer-driven metal assault. I love this song, and like Gruesome Tale, Shadows, and Old Oak Tree, as far as I know, never been played live, unfortunately, because this is one of my favorite tracks on the album, is 13 Invitations. What do you think? Uh, I love this one, but to me, this one is total King Diamond. Uh, th- this doesn't sound like fucking uh, Merciful Fate to me, musically or lyrically. This is very like th- I could see this on Fatal Portrait. Uh, well, Fatal Portrait, but that's is, not. You know, Fatal Portrait was supposed to be the next Merciful Fate album. It was written in right, right. for Merciful right. Fate. You know? No, I, I I understand, but I I mean you got to look at it as like this is what I knew of that album, but. To me, this doesn't sound like fucking Melissa or fucking Don't Break the Oath. This sounds like Fatal Portrait or it could have been on Them or Conspiracy or Abigail. Any of those that came before this. Uh, the Eye, I don't know all the way through, so I can't. I can't. Uh, Great album. You know, give a statement. Give a statement on that. I, I like some songs that I've heard off, but, but I haven't heard in its entirety. Uh, but no, this is one that struck me as okay. This is King Diamond. Uh, and again, not taking anything away from it. I, I do love the lyrics. I love the thing about, you know, sending out the 13 invitations and they all show up. They all want eternal life, you know, and the thing with the devil. It's great, but it sounds much more King Diamond than Merciful Fate to me. But yeah, I'm, I'm not bashing it for that. I'm just saying. I think, I, I think you see a little bit more influence. And this one was written by King Diamond as well. The music credit and lyrics are to him, so I, I see this much more as a King Diamond track, but I still love it. I can see that. I can understand that. Sure. Uh, why don't you take the note, uh, Room of Golden Air? Ah, the instrumental on the album. No, they're singing on this. What's that? No, this, this ain't an instrumental. Yeah, no, Room of Golden Air is instrumental. No, it's not. That's my that's my impression of you on the, on the Merciful Fate. Oh, thing. oh. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I dig this one. I, I think it's kind of <laughs> cool and kind of 
kind of different. Like, I didn't expect uh, an instrumental on this. Uh, even though there was one on, on Don't Break the Oath, I just got the numbers mixed up. But uh, uh, but this one, I feel, is more of a full-fledged song than, than the instrumental on uh, Don't Break the Oath. Uh, I, I, I dig it. It's atmospheric. Uh, everything sounds good. Again, you know, my only bitch would be pedestrian drumming. But other than that, I, I think it's a cool little um, addition to the album. And, and you know, a, tr a, tr a true mark of an instrumental is, you know, does it capture your attention without lyrics, without something to sing along to? Do you still enjoy it? And to me, the answer is yes. I still enjoy this song. Uh, I dig it. What do you think? Yeah, it, it's a great listen for me because of Denner and, and uh, Sherman and Hanson are fucking legends. But uh, I think this guy, Morty, whatever his name is, is, you know, he's pretty good on this one, too. He's no slouch. But, again, like, I think he's a little too perfect where Kim Ruz could have added that element that made them the best damn band in the 80s. So, uh, dude, uh, you know, when I think of uh, what you were saying, it's very different from uh, To One Far Away from Don't Break the Oath. Because To One Far Away is only a, a minute and 34 seconds with little quiet guitars, uh, acoustic playing, and right, but diamonds. That, that's what I'm saying. The, the, that, that, that felt more like like an intro or something. Yeah, where, you're where, right. You're, where this is a full-blown instrumental. Of course. Yeah, and, it, and it works. Yeah, yeah, because you really can't say To One Far Away is like really an instrumental. It's more of an intro. But I don't know. There's something more majestic about that one. Maybe I'm biased, you know, it's like, you know, you can never, you know, be, but, you know, uh, it, it's, it, it's a great listen. That's all I can say about it, but it's almost kind of there for me. It's, uh, you know, I'll put it above uh, Old Oak and Gruesome Time, but that's it. I'm done complaining about this album. Spoiler alert. I'm done because of the rest of this album is fucking amazing. With the legendary Satan's Fall of this album is the next track, Legend of the Headless Rider. Uh, not played when I saw this tour, but they did play it on the Nine tour. And that wow. made that made my five-hour trip to see that tour well worth it. Oh, I, I was going to... How many times have you seen Worst? Two times. Okay, so only on this tour and the Nine tour. Yeah, they never came down here any other tour. Okay. So, yeah. But I saw King Diamond on, uh, what, Abigail, uh, Ab Abigail, um, Them, um, House of God. I mean, that's how long it's been wow. since King Diamond came. House of God, Puppet Master. I, that's it. I've seen King Diamond four times. But, um, oh, my God. You know, I'm a coffin shaker. This graveyard is mine. This song is so fucking badass. It's total classic fate. These changes intertwined is as great as they've ever been. All over the place and making it work like no other band can. In a song about a headless horseman from Sleepy Hollow, this song is located, th that, that shit's located in fucking Terrytown, where I was born. Right. And, and, the way, and the way it ends with that eerie mellow part, Right. With, with those damn lyrics with, uh, you know, as he rides away, yeah. leaving me it's with It's my head. <laughs> yeah. I hear his laughter in the distance. 
actually, it's my laughter. He stole my head. Does this mean I'll be the one next year? You know, it's like a, a complete stop. And it's like this full of ins pure insanity. It's like King Diamond is the greatest horror lyricist of all time. Hands down. Hands fucking down. The, the, you hear the little laughter and the, and the way the guitar comes in during that mellow play. Gang, 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 gang. And then he's like, Ugh. oh my God, dude. I'm telling you, I'll have to say it again. I am very sorry and a big condolence to anybody who does not understand the greatness of this fucking man, King Diamond, and the greatness of this band, and the way this song is. This is the most pure Merciful Fate song on this album, hands down. Best song well, on the album? Very close. Uh, I, I probably, you know, I didn't say it, but I probably have to go with Egypt as my favorite track on here. But man, Legend of Hell's Heart is probably my second favorite. Well, I, I'd have to say one thing where I disagree. I, I, I think he is the, the second best horror writer. In, in hard rock or metal. Uh, number one would be Brett Michaels, because that shit's just terrifying. That's Take just it got, outside. That's got razzmatazz. Uh, I, I love this track. I love this track. And, you know, i, I got to say in all honesty, I mean, here, here's an album I just discovered yesterday, even though I've listened to it like five times. Um... I would kind of go back and forth between this and, and Oak Tree. I guess I like Oak Tree a lot more than you. Uh, yeah, you do, yeah. Obviously, yeah. But, uh, but I, I really love this one, too. But, again, here's another thing. Of course, you know, you know, maybe we're wrong on our... Excuse me. Our assumption of this. But, uh, you, you know, I, I see it as totally headless horseman. Uh, again... American folklore, yeah, very, very American, but still really cool. A great epic track, uh, the second longest song on the album. Uh, I, 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 I really dig this one, man. I, I was really enjoying the whole album. You know, just like, man, you know, this is something I really missed the first time around, and and made me excited that you picked this. Uh, Songs like this, like, wow, you know, should have gave this band a lot more of a chance early on. You know, but, uh, I, I, I knew, too. I said, you know what? Uh, I thought you knew the album. But then uh, when you told me, oh, shit, I don't know this one, I, I didn't say it to you, but I go, oh, you're going to love this shit. Right. And and then we go into the last track. Uh, well, well, the last official track, I should say. Yeah. Uh, and this is one, even looking at the title, I was scared about this one. I was like, oh, God. Here, here's a chance to go full-blown cheese, uh, trying to revisit something maybe you shouldn't. But you know, called... you, I don't know if you're aware of this. This is part three of the Melissa story. Right. Because there's, there's Melissa. What's the one on Don't Break the Oath? Uh, come, come to the Sabbath. Come, Yeah, come to the Sabbath. Uh, but you know, I, it's one of those, it's like, uh, is this too sacred? You know, you're, you're coming off a hiatus. Uh, here's a big chance to fuck up, you know, if, if you don't do this right. I feel they did it absolutely right. I couldn't think of any other song. 
And, and, and you got to understand, there's one more song we're going to talk about, but it was a bonus track, and it's not available on all editions. Uh, but for all you know purposes, this is the final track. Yes. Uh, but oh my God, did, do I think they did it right here with "Is That You, Melissa"? Uh, I, I think it's worthy to the other two tracks. Uh, would probably be my you know my third favorite of those. I like the other two better, but I don't think this is like you know with Maiden you got. Charlotte the Harlot, 22 Acacia Avenue, and then what's the other one? Uh, Hooks in You and From uh, Here to Eternity. Yeah, yeah, Hooks in You. This isn't Hooks in You, you, you know, or, or uh, Hell or Eternity, whatever. Th- th- this is a worthy uh, song to go in that song structure. You know, this isn't a throwaway. It's a good track, and I think it's a really good way to end the album. I don't, uh, I, I love Egypt. And you're probably right. And probably out of all these, it probably is the best to start off the album, even though Egypt's not my favorite track. Uh, it probably was the best opener. But it this... might be, though, in the future, dude. Because cause believe that? me, the, it might be in the future, because believe it or not, when I first heard this album, you'll never believe what my favorite track was on initial listen. It was 13 Invitations. <laughs> okay. And okay. Yeah, yeah, the like one you I, said that I, doesn't I, sound like King Diamond, but... Uh, I, 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 in a couple seconds, I changed my mind about something right now, and I'm, I'll say it when you're done, when I talk about this song. But, uh, but uh, I will say, without a doubt, this is the way to end the album. And uh, even though I, you know, it's the lesser of the three, it's still fucking amazing. And it, it's a really dramatic and, and classic way for me to end the album. I really dig Is That You, Melissa. I, I think it's worthy lyrically. I think it's interesting musically, and, and, and more important musically, it just kind of sums up everything. I, I think it's a really neat track. I love Is That You, Melissa. What do you think, Rob? And, and as you know, uh, the story is what ends the other two albums. You know, Melissa and Come to the Sabbath are what ends those albums. True. So, oh, I didn't think about it like that. Yeah. So th- this song, to me, is pure perfection. And I take back what I said about my second favorite track. It's this one. I like this even more than Legend of Heaven's Rider. Um, this song is pure perfection and very different than the two songs before it. Where the first one was, I mean, those two songs before it were very different. Melissa is so different than Come to the Sabbath. You know, where the first song was about Melissa being killed by the priest. Come to the Sabbath is uh, getting revenge on the priest who killed her. And this one is, is him dreaming and it's basically a love song to her. A twisted love song, uh, you know, like Egypt. This song transcends music to me. It's it's spiritual. It hits me so hardcore that it makes me want to build a shrine, a merciful fate shrine. I worship this band so much because of songs like this. You know the way he does. Ah, I mean that's so original, dude. That's so, you know, no band does shit like that. You know, it's just so. They're on a class on their own, and I absolutely love this fucking song. And uh, do I like it more than Melissa and Come to the Sabbath? Not really, but, you know, I mean, come on. I don't like Fair Warning as much as the first album. Does that mean Fair Warning sucks? Right. It's still fucking amazing. I mean, yeah, right. But, I mean, you're kind of on the same page as me. You love this song, but out of the three... You know, it's not your favorite, but it's still worthy. 
it's so worthy. I mean, shit. If Egypt wasn't on here, it'd be the best song on the album. You know? Um, I, I just absolutely love this. And I'll take the bonus track, which uh-huh. is a re-recording of the song Return of the Vampire, which uh, was a demo back in the day that never made one of those albums. A uh, remake that, <clears throat> that to me matches the awesomeness of the original. Tweaked in parts. And the drums on here are the best on this album because of its organic vibe by Lars Ulrich. You know, not so precise and disjointed in parts, Lars knows exactly how to play to the 80s spirit of Merciful Fate. Even with this much slicker production, it works as well as the original because of Lars. And that makes me think how much better this album could have been with Kim Ruz on drums. In ways, I feel this is even better than the original, but it's hard for me to admit it, you know? It's an amazing song that that did make me wonder uh, how this never made it to the 80s releases, because it's such a cool song. It's right up there with all those songs uh, in the 80s. I love Return of the Vampire, and I love what Lars did to it. I mean, it's not perfect, it's not precise, but it has that organic feel, even with the slick production. What do you think? Well, I, I think I couldn't agree with you fucking more. And I'm going to read my notes that I wrote before we started talking. I said, I love it. Best drums on the album. And I stick by that. I wish I wish Lars would have done drumming on the whole fucking album. Fuck yeah. That, that fucking Hetfield. Goddamn Hetfield. I'm amazed no, that Hetfield allowed him to do one song. Yeah, but here, here's there, there's two people that you're not gonna say no to a Metallica, and that's Lars and James. If Lars wants to do it, it's gonna get done. If James wants to do it, it's gonna get done. Look, James, James, you know, put all the kibosh on fucking Newstead doing all this shit, but yet Newstead played on a Primus album, and nobody said no. Oh, I see. You know, because there's a lot of respect for Primus because Kurt is very good friends with them. Well, well, not only that, but I, I mean, they were all friends from the Bay Area and shit yeah, like there, that. There but you it, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like when James wants to do something, it's okay. And uh, here's a song that you, you've probably never heard because you don't like Primus, but there's an amazing album. I'm, I'm sorry. An amazing <laughs> song on their worst album that the guitars are done by James and Jim Martin, the original guitar player from Faith No More. Who was in a band with uh, Cliff Cliff Burton, which I have on video, by the way. Right. And but, Cliff Burton did uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls Riff, and this was before he was in Metallica. Right. But, uh, I mean, I mean it, it's a, it's an amazing track that I think even you, a Primus hater, would love because the guitar playing between fucking Headfield and Jim Martin is fucking amazing. It's very unprimus sounding. What's the it's name of the song? Electric Eclectic. I'll look into it. it it's on it's on uh, the anti pop album. Uh, song number six. But I really think you would dig it. But uh but yeah, you know, it's like those two can do whatever they want, you know. And and, and they even let Kirk, you know, fucking guest on Exodus and shit like that, you know. But goddamn Newstead couldn't do anything. Because Newstead was their fucking whipping boy. But anyway, you know, I'm, I'm getting off track here. Uh, fucking, I, I love what Lars did on this. I mean, Lar, you know, I've said it before. Lars is the fucking Peter Chris of thrash metal. 
but you still got to respect what he did. Uh, it's it's easy to hate on the guy, but he's got a good feel, and I think that's what he brings to this track that is is missing on the rest of this album. As good as it is, I think the the only downside you could say on on in the shadows is the drumming is just too pedestrian and too safe where when you hear what Lars did on Return of the Vampire it's like man if there was more of this on the rest album it would be even better than what it is and it's already a great album uh, you know and, and, why, and, and I was why, ready to... and that's, I'm sorry I'll get uh, it's just a short little thing I gotta say that's why yeah. I say a big fuck you to people that fucking don't like Lars Ulrich. Big, big fuck you. You got no respect for a guy that really knows his metal more than right. you ever will, more right. than I ever will. You know, and he goes in there and his love for Merciful Fate, look what he did. Go on, Ian. Uh, but, you know, one thing I saw you posted on the, on the Facebook page the other day, and I agree with a thousand percent. You know, there's all the things like it should have been Lars. And I get it. It's a funny joke. It, it is a funny joke. But you know what? If, if Lars would have died and, and fucking Burton stuck around and they did load, everybody would be saying the same damn thing. Like, oh, yep. God, if Lars was here, this never would have happened. Yep. Exactly. You know, I, I mean, I mean, I mean let, let's be honest. Lars is no Dave Lombardo. Lars is no Charlie Benente. Lars is no Gar Samuelson. Hell, Lars might not even be a fucking uh, uh, what's, what's the, the the other good drummer from Megadeth, uh, Chuck, Chuck Nick Menza, Taylor? Nick Menza. But Lars is what he is, and and if you nobody ever listened to those classic Metallica albums and said, "Oh, what shitty drumming." Nope, not one person. And matter of no, fact, no, it was only. The, the, well, I just want to say, a matter of fact, during those years. Lars was the most respected, not Cliff Burton. Right. And and another thing that needs to be said, because people are just so fucking stupid, that back in the day when Cliff Burton was in the band, he was the one with the most eclectic music tastes, where Lars and James were very close-minded metalheads. Right. You know? Uh, Cliff Burton would wear Leonard Skinner shirts, Thin Lizzy, Blue Oyster Cult, and they would wear Diamond right. Head and, you know, Budgie and, you know... What have you? And, you know, I mean, they were more closed-minded than Cliff ever was. And if you listen to the Metallica songs where Cliff had input, like Orion, and name another one. I mean, it has some kind of melodic thing that was not motor breath, not metal militia. You know, as a guy who grew up with Metallica like you did, I never saw hate for Lars until the whole fucking nap, until the Napster thing. Well, I saw it before that, but, you know, I mean, well, no, actually, you're right. I mean, I saw hate from Metallica in general, but Napster, that was what made, yeah. singled out Lars. That's when everybody hated Lars. And if you ask me, if you watch that horrible yet fascinating some kind of monster movie, you know who I find to be even more of a douche is Headfield. I find Headfield much more annoying than fucking, than Lars. You remember that scene in Some Kind of Monster where they said, uh, where they hired Robert Trujillo and they were going to give him like 5%? Lars was the one that said, fuck that, we're giving him 25%. He's going to be an equal member. You remember that part? Uh, I, I don't remember it specifically. But... Well, that shows a lot about him. Right, and, and, and that's Lars is so passionate, you know, 
about the music that he loves, and you know, and, and, and Lars is the one who brought, you know, all you know the the new wave of British heavy metal to the band, you, you know, like, and he does come off as douchey in a lot of other interviews, but you know who else is a fucking total cunt? Dave Mustaine, and he's the best goddamn guitar player in all the fucking thrash. Is Dave Mustaine? I'm sorry, he he, I I personally he gets on my fucking nerves. But the well, riffs that guy writes and all the other shit he does in the right hand of fucking goddamn Dave Mustaine separate this shit. You might not like the guy personally, but what he does is a job. You can't beat Dave Mustaine and and, say, and and Lars. He might not be technically the best drummer, but show me a motherfucker before Napster who listened to fucking uh, goddamn Ride the Lightning or, or Master of Puppets and goes, oh, the drumming just kills it for me. Nobody said that. They do it now, Nobody though. said that. Yeah, they do it now, but it's bullshit. It's bullshit. You know, everybody loved Lars back in the day. Of course, I did, and I still do. And I will admit to you that there's a lot of interviews that he does come off very douchey. You know, very, very yeah. douchey. There's like, and you know what's unfortunate about Facebook? When I made that post, one guy who I love dearly, I love him a lot. He's like, fuck Lars. Fuck him. Dude, if it was anybody else I didn't like, I would have said, why? Give me an give, Come on, give me an example. Right. Why? You know, I, bear, I bet you, if I would have said that to my good buddy who I love dearly, he would have been like, humana, humana, humana. Or he would have said right. something like, well, because of the Napster, he had enough money. You know, it, it's going to be a stupid, stupid reason. You know, right. one guy, one guy that hated Lars when I said that thing said, "Well, if it wasn't for Lars and Napster, I wouldn't be out there buying CDs because I hate MP3s." I'm like, "Oh yeah, the fucking record company uh, record sales really exploded because of Napster." What the fuck are you talking about? You're a minority asshole. Right. You're like me and Ian. And and, he, and here's the thing, you got to admit, and I was the same way, man. When Napster first came out, dude, I was in love. I was in love. I was like, oh my God, I can get all this shit that I can't afford and all this shit. And I saw Lars as like, oh, fuck you, you rich douchebag doing all this shit. But you look back at hindsight, he's absolutely right. It had a big thing to do with killing the music that we love. Uh, you know, is because of that shit. And hey, I'm guilty, man. I download shit, you know, and I get stuff from Mr. X. Uh, but he was absolutely right. And now you have this whole culture. Like, there, there's people like me who know. I, I know when I'm downloading something, I know I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> you know, there, there's part of me that goes, yeah, yeah, this isn't right, but I'm well, doing it now, anyway. You know, Ian, it's not wrong as long as you like it and you go out and buy it. Right. I think it's wrong if you like it and don't go out and buy it. Right. You know, but, that, that's where I think it's wrong. Downloading to me is a catch-22. There's something really great about it because how many times in the past, including me, when like when I went and bought out some, when I went and bought somewhere in time, I was like, what the fuck? If I would have downloaded that shit first, I could have saved 18 bucks, which was how much. And that's here's another thing I want to bring up: eighteen dollars for a CD in '86, where it cost. And I knew this even back then. I knew this because I read it in I don't know where. It cost the record company one dollar to make each CD, and they were charging eighteen bucks for it. Right? No, I so no, fuck them, you know. No, I, I I get that, but I'm saying, you know, I, I think our generation, you know, we we know 
we know a little bit better about, you know, what we used to pay and what it costs to do stuff. But there's a whole nother generation that that's all they know is illegal downloading. So I think they even have no shame at all. You know, you know, you know, that, that's just the norm to them. Yeah. You know, where, you know, I, I know I'm doing something wrong, but, you know, especially now that I'm into vinyl, uh, if it's something I love, I, I go and buy it. And I pay, now I pay even more than I used to for fucking CDs. Well, that's you know? my point. Then you're not doing something wrong. I think everybody should be able to uh, download, but I think there should be some kind of repercussion where, all right, fucker, either delete it or go buy it. You can't keep it in your well, computer you, if you love it. You know, I, I, I did a thing today, and this this was a very broad, this was a general, uh, generous uh, estimation. I was sitting here thinking today, uh, you know, because, you know, Lars is on this track, so I started thinking about the whole Napster thing. So I'm thinking, like, I have over 2,000 CDs. Uh, you know, I have, you know, a, a couple hundred vinyl. But then I was thinking about what I have on my computer, and I have, like, around 17,000 albums. So I did a generous estimate. Uh, I said, okay... Because I know what I paid for some, I paid more than others. But I said, okay, let's put it at 12 bucks. Let's say every album is $12, which is generous. I times that times 17000 It was like $204,000. So I have $204,000 worth of music. And that is a generous estimate because I know I've, I paid much more than $12 for a lot of CDs that I have. But it's like, fuck, that shit all adds up. And then, the, you know, and then people wonder when you go on tour, like, wow, why is the T-shirt now $30 or $40? Well, that's because you don't buy the album. And the venue charges the band. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The venue, on top of that. Yeah, you know? the venue gets a, that's another thing people don't think about is the venue gets a cut of that. A lot of times, especially at your bigger shows, uh, you know, you go to a club show a lot of times it's the band or somebody from the band selling the t-shirts. But if you go to an arena show, those motherfuckers selling those t-shirts have nothing to do with the band. Those are people hired from the venue. And not only do they take out to pay them, but the venue themselves gets a cut. So you pay one way or the other. And that's why, of course, you see the bands doing the meet and the greets now that fucking, you know... You're like, oh my god, I'm going to pay this to meet this person, but that's what they have to do to compensate because you're no longer buying the fucking album. Which, yeah, as you said, you know, the record company was really at fault because they were the ones making the majority of the money, more so than the artists. But, uh, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't far off, and it was the downfall of the music industry. And I also want to bring up Lars Ulrich and Metallica when it comes to meet and greets. They don't charge. They give, you know, they charge in a way where, you know, you're in the fan club, you get to meet them. I mean, right. it's a lottery. They pick people in the fan club to be, you know, you get a free meet and greet. They don't charge, unlike the band that made more than Metallica, Guns N' Roses. You don't even get a meet and greet, but you pay a couple thousand dollars so you can walk around there and look at their gear. You know what I mean? Right. Well, so, I... you know, Metallica, it gets such a bad rap because those guys treat their fans really good really good and if you're I'm not part of the fan club but shit if there's any fan club that you you know you want to be in you want to be in Metallica's Ooh. fan club because not only because of the lottery 
You get like the fan can where they give you shit. You know, it's like I just think they get such a oh, bad yeah. rap. And, and e- e- even in their douchey area era, they did that. Like even through the you know the '90s shit, I can't stand. They've always been good to their fans. And do you have? I, I mean, I I have the soundboards. Uh, do you have the recordings from the 30th anniversary shows? No, I would like to get that. That's where King oh, Diamond and Mercy yeah. Fate came out. I've seen it. I've seen like the John Bush doing oh, Fire yeah. Lord. Oh, it's no. awesome. I, I, do you have the other bands that perform too? I've got all four nights. Uh, you got Armored Saint and Death yeah, Angel? Uh, oh my God. Yeah, uh, 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 Lars Rocket played too. Wow. Dude, you got to hook me up. That's weird. Lars Rocket played that? I believe so. Yes. You know, you know why that's weird? Because I have this DVD of Laws Rocket that they totally talk bad about Metallica in it. I, bu- I believe they were there. Or members, members played. I don't know. I've got, I've got the full blown. I've got all the shows. I need it. I need it. I need it. I've got the soundboard. I've got, uh, I've got liner notes. I've got all that shit. Uh, I, need, I never I mean, even Mr. heard. I never, never even heard Armor Saint or Death Angel set on that. I've seen. There's professionally shot video with. You know, John Bush comes out and Mustaine comes out and they even bring out Lloyd Grant, right. which is another thing great about Metallica. Look, they don't forget their past. They brought out Lloyd Grant, a guy that didn't play on anything. Ron McGovney, who only did what? No Life to Leather. You know, I mean, right. and Bob Nalbamian, that guy that has that podcast that inspired me, that dude right. was just right. friends with them. What did they do? Gave them free tickets to the show. And I'm sure they gave free tickets to all their friends that helped them out. You know, oh, yeah. in the early oh, days, they, they don't forget. They don't forget. Now the same, the same thing with uh, you know. I, I know everybody loves to hate on, but uh, Eddie Trunk. They paid for Eddie Trunk to go when they got inducted in the Hall of Fame, and people like that. They they paid all their expenses. They said, "Hey, we're paying for your ticket." Because here's the thing: when they do those fucking Hall of Fame shit, you know that's the thing. Famously, fucking Steve Miller went off about. Because they inducted Steve Miller, but they wouldn't pay for the Steve Miller band. And he threw a shit fit about that. He goes, hey, these tickets are like 1300 bucks a piece. And you won't come off for that? For the guy who played bass on all these albums? It's actually and, more than that. And, and, and fucking Metallica paid for all these people. They paid, I believe, for the people from the old bridge uh, yeah, company yeah, or whatever. The, the, yeah, who, who, they, who took them in and let them sleep in their house. Yeah, they they paid. For they them. don't forget. They don't yeah, forget. Dude. They they paid for them to go. And as much as I shit on, you know, Metallica for making, you know, uh, you know, horrible albums in the '90s, uh, you're absolutely spot on about that shit. And if you are in their fan club, the shit they give you access to and, and all this other stuff is, is is amazing, you know. And and also, I mean, they brought out Merciful Fate, dude. You know, they, they brought out, you know, uh, everybody except for Kim Ruzz, because I yeah. guess Kim Ruzz is probably can't even play drums anymore. But they brought him out for the Merciful Fate melody yeah. with King Diamond. And that's the thing I wanted to ask you about, because I wanted to see if you knew. Uh, I don't know if it says it in the liner notes. Who played drums for Fate at that show? Because I couldn't find that out. No, on... it was Lars. It, w- it was Lars? Okay, because, yeah. It's, no, it was it was Metallica with those three members. Nobody left the stage. Well, well, oh, uh, oh, oh, Merciful Fate opened. Well, well, Merciful Fate played, but uh, but I mean it was it was Denner and Sherman and Timmy Hansen. Yeah, but they don't say who played drums, so I imagine it was Lars then. No, no, I I believe I could be wrong on this, but I believe it's Metallica, the whole band, and they brought out those three members to play with them. 
to do the Merciful Fate movie. Uh, well, well, no, I, I know what the shows... They opened? At, at the shows, they played, like Armored Saint played. I know Armored Saint and Death Angel were opening bands, but I didn't... I, I'm not sure about Merciful Fate, because I'm almost positive, now i got to go relook at it, I'm yeah. almost positive they brought out those three members and did the Merciful Fate melody. With yeah, them. yeah, I, I'll have, I'll have, I'll have to double check on that. But I know, I know all four of them, minus Kim Runs, played uh, live. But, uh, but yeah, Timmy Hansen was there, and 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 Denner and Sherman and King Diamond. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'll make sure Mr. X gets you a copy of those because they yeah, are definitely they are amazing show, and, and the quality is. I mean, I mean, it's like. It could be released on on vinyl or CD. I mean, it's that it's that pure and crisp. And you know, you know I mean? another thing about Metallica, just to fucking talk about how awesome they are. Like two years ago, they played a stadium in Brazil. Who'd they take to open? Raven. You know. Yeah. They took was... Raven to open that damn show because they, you know, that was their first headline tour. I mean, their first tour period because Raven headline. Right. They brought Raven out. Just you know, hey, look, I want you to play in front of a fucking stadium. Right. In Brazil, I mean, shit like that, you gotta applaud, you know. And then, and but then, but nobody can't. Nobody. Everybody's so fucking selfish and and so and and you know. And I'll tell you something else. There's a lot of sheeple motherfuckers that yeah. hate Metallica. They're just sheep. I'm not saying all of them, and, but a lot of them just want to be part of the group. You know. Fuck yeah. And you, I love you, you I all, love our also, page. You know, I love our page for that because there's a lot of motherfuckers yeah. on our page that love Hardwired. They're not, they're not fucking blind, you know. Right. I can understand if some people listen to Hardwire going, "This sucks." Okay, I can understand that. But there's people that say, "Dude, this sucks." I only heard Hardwire. I don't want to hear the rest, you know. Uh, you know, and another thing I think you got to mention is that that girl who went missing uh, after their show. The, oh the yeah, girl, the girl that got murdered. Yeah, and, and Metallica put up all that money for a reward. I mean, they, yeah. they didn't have to do that shit, dude. You know. You know, and, and hey, I'll be the first one to sit here and say fucking load, reload that fucking symphony album. You know, it's, it's garbage. It's fucking garbage. But musically, they did some shit. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah but uh, but as people and what they've done for the fans and how they stuck by the fans, uh, I give them a lot of respect. Yep, I do too. And I also give them respect for load and Saint Anger and all that shit because they were doing what they wanted to do and they didn't give a fuck. I may have not have liked it, but they did, yeah. you know. So well, therefore, well, James put out an, an article. Well, James, yeah, James. Well, James is more of a. Looking back on it, I made a mistake by giving Lars and Kurt too much pull. But at the time, he was into it. He was figured, oh, I'll yeah. be part. Of, I'll be a team player, you know. So it's like one of those retrospect shit. There's shit I I regret giving away my vinyl when I first got CDs. We all have regrets, right. you know. Right. Hey, we had Terrence on the show. Uh, that's true. <laughs> I love you, Terrence. Yeah, me too. But uh, wow, wow, that that was a big Metallica thing on the end of uh, Merciful Good, Fate. Good because it deserves to be said because this guy came in and did the best drum performance on this great album. Yes, Fuck and, and and I agree. And and one thing I want to say here, man, is, is is thank you, thank you very much, Ralph, for picking this. Hey, ain't, ain't a thing but a chicken wing. Yeah, no, I know, but the, I mean, the, this is, I, I mean, you know, I, I know the running joke is I, I don't like metal. I, I fucking love metal, but the, there's a lot of stuff I miss because I do listen to a very, 
a wide spectrum of music. I listen to a lot of different shit, and there's a lot of shit I missed, but I'm open-minded to everything, and that's why, you know, I got so pissed off at, like, the Kiss motherfuckers, you know? It's because, like, you know what? I do this fucking show, and I'm still fucking open-minded, and I get turned on to stuff that I, I love so much. The fucking Iced Earth, the fucking... Uh, you, you know, the Armored Saint, you know, all, all this shit, you know, and sometimes, like, like even, we did the Sabotage, which still, like, you guys like Sabotage more than me, but I still gave it a fucking chance, you know. And, and, and that, and that sh- and, and again, we should bring up this point that's very important. Because of Ian's recent uh, awakening of this Kiss shit, you know, he doesn't want to do a Kiss episode in a while. We will do another Kiss episode, don't, don't freak out, but it ain't going to be for a while. But now Ian is more open to review records that won't bring that much numbers. And I got a list of some great metal shit. Ian's, re, re, Ian's soon going to yeah. make some some a list of, you know, his stoner metal and whatever the fuck, Frank yeah. Zappa and all that shit. Yeah. We're going to do episodes now. It's going to be a new and improved Rock and Metal Combat podcast where we're not going to bow to people. But I will also say on the list that I sent Ian, well, I told Ian about there is a Rat album and a Motley Crue album, so we're not going all the way, um, you know, uh, off off center. But we are going to be more, you know, fuck the numbers because that was a, a little problem me and Ian had in the past. It wasn't a big problem. I never really like made you, you know, do right. shit like that. And I never told you, oh, we're gonna do, you know, in the shadows, or we're gonna do like there's a couple obscure metal bands, which, by the way. One of them that I'm not going to give away. I recently put up just a picture of that band. It got great response from the hardcores. And one guy even today put up a song of that band. And this is a band that, if you're a metal fan, you know this band. If you're not a metal fan, you know, you are going to love this. If you love Judas Priest, you got to listen to this episode. Right. But, you know, you know, and we're also going to do bands that aren't necessarily metal. You know, we're going to do yeah, stuff rock that's like... Or, cla- or stoner metal yeah, or whatever. classic rock and hard rock. Because really, dude, you know, uh, we're never going to get rich off this shit. We're never going to be able to quit our day jobs. Let's keep everything from the heart and, and, and keep an open mind, yes. you know. And, and I hope... You know, someday I'd like to turn you on to as many albums as, as you've turned me on. Yeah, to. hopefully you will. I mean, I love to be turned on to new shit. I mean, I'm yeah. always searching new shit on YouTube. There's a lot of, look, there's a lot of bands. Dude, think about it. One of my favorite bands of all time is Armored Saint. We never reviewed an Armored Saint album till one of the donations asked for it. I never pressed right. for it, you know? So now it's like, okay, now right. I can press for it, you know? So we're right. going to do shit that's new old and forgotten or not given its due you know yeah. even if Ian H, he ends up hating it we're still gonna fucking do it yeah I mean, and vice versa and that's you know? the, I, I will I will review anything I, I will review, I'll, I'll give anything a chance you know because you know hey and and I love episodes on on, on shit that I don't like you know because I, I like that gives me a chance to work on my fucking you know my comedy and stuff you know because I'll never do like I don't like it. You know, I want to come up with a funny reason and a true reason why I don't like it. So to me, it always presents a challenge. And we're still talking about music, which is what it's all about anyway. Whether like it or not. And Um, we got a future episode from a 60s album that's not the Beatles. First time ever. Yeah. Yeah. So, I I, I mean, 
that's what this shit's all about, man. We we keep it true, and that's why I think we have the hardcore base that we do. And I, I, I love the hardcore base. And when I get pissed about this Kiss shit and say, fuck it, we're not doing a Kiss show for a long time, man, I'll always love Kiss, you know. Fuck you. But, you know, it's like, I, I don't want to appeal. I, I don't want to be that show. You, you know, you want that fucking shit. There's a million other yeah, fucking podcasts exactly. out there. You you go get it there. If you want the fucking relevant real deal holy field, you want to know real honest fucking reviews from two guys who just love fucking music, that's this show. That's what we're all about. And and, and this is a prime example. Because I, I, I got a feeling th- this one will do okay. I don't know. You know, we're on the fence because like I was telling Ralph before we started doing this, we did the 80s Merciful Fate. And, and it, it did really great numbers. And we did a solo King Diamond uh, that wasn't Abigail. And it did kind of shit. And, but I don't give a fuck. As long as somebody listens to this and hopefully somebody gets the same joy I got out of this. You know? Like, like oh, man, discovered Because there's nothing better than discovered a new album. I mean, this is something. Like I said, most albums, whether I like them or not, I'll listen to it at least two or three times. To, to see, like, okay, let, let me have an honest opinion and see if something changes. This is an album I listened to six times in, in, in a day and a half because I loved it so fucking much. Because, like, oh, my God, you know, this is fucking killer. I love this fucking album. I actually went after this album. Uh, I went and listened to other Merciful Fates that I hadn't heard because I was so excited and exhilarated by, by listening to this album. And, that's and they will be reviewed. What... They will be reviewed, as long as, as well as some King Diamond albums. Those are all hey. reviewed. Hey, man, this, if people this like shit, it or not, as, as long as I'm alive and you're alive, dude. I mean, there's plenty of bands that I, I'm up for reviewing every fucking album. Every gonna, fucking I'm, album. I, I want to read. I want to read music. You, I want to read you something I got today. And this okay. guy, I'm not sure if he listen. I'm pretty sure he doesn't hear listen to our podcast. He's, I'm sure he's right. not aware of it. But I want to read you something that this guy right here means more to me than the, all the numbers in the world. This is what he wrote. Hello, Ralph. Greetings from Sweden. I just want to say that I enjoy your reviews on albums. I discovered some great bands that I haven't heard before, like Sabotage, Violence, Triumph, and some more. The Good Podcast. Uh, oh, no. The Good Podcast, and especially... Oh, he does listen to podcasts. And especially Thrash or Die. I showed my parents Wake Up Smaller Thrash video and they thought it was the most hilarious music video they see ever seen in their life. So, um, or in years. So th- th- that's my point. People like that, like, wow, I discovered violence. I discovered sabotage. You know, it's like, fuck, dude. Yeah. That's I, what I'm talking about. I, that's, I, I don't want to be that metal show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's like, it's, oh, we got to do the demographic. Fuck you. You know? Well, you, you know, and that's the thing, like, even in, uh, you know, in defense, like, everybody loves to hate that metal show and, and Eddie Trunk. Uh, they had their hands tied. We don't have our hands tied because uh, what what it costs to, to do this podcast, I pay for it, <laughs> you know? And it's it's like we do what we do and we do it from the heart. And, and the same way you turn people on, man, every time I see... Somebody say they discovered Uncle Ass and the Deadbeats because of me, or Orchard, or you know. You know yeah, that's shit, the best feeling shit. in the world. Oh, dude. it is, and oh my God, I don't know if you saw on the Facebook page, Connor Stratton, uh, 
sent me a, a text message uh, or a Facebook message. He goes, hey, I just found out, you know, I was talking about Zappa because I hear about Zappa from you. Uh, and find find out my dad loves Zappa. What's a, what's a good album I should get him? So I said, I saw it. I yeah. saw it, dude. And and his dad even thanked you. That shit yeah. was awesome. Oh my god, yeah. And I said Zuda Lores and the lucky bastard. He ordered from Amazon. They sent him two copies. I go great. Now you got a copy and your dad's got a copy. And uh, and and to see something like that and to see like you can tell his dad was actually excited. You know, probably Zappa. Even though he probably loved it in his youth, but probably something he hasn't heard in years. And, uh, you know, that little thank you and everything. I made my girl come in, in, in the bedroom. I'm like, hey, you got to watch this, honey. This is this is amazing. And it did. It made me feel fucking like I've done my job that I'm not paid for. But this isn't a job because it, it, it's what I love to do. I, I do my daily job because I need to pay bills. All right, uh, if, if you if you just give me a second, I would like to say something, Connor Stratton, if you don't mind. But, I gotta get I gotta get into the force. Just give me a second, okay? Alright. <clears throat> Lords, you have two of them. You do not need the two of them. Send me the second one. <laughs> Keep going. I I don't own well, that album though. I I plan on changing it because, spoiler alert, we are gonna review that one, but we're waiting on somebody to do it. And I did look into it, and I absolutely... Well, maybe... No, I won't tell you what I think. Well, I let's will... Ju- let's just say I want it. Well, something... I, I will tell you this. Don't get the CD. Don't get the CD. Because I, I grew up with the CD. Absolutely love the fucking album. And lately, I've been buying these, these 180 Zappa albums like crazy. I'm hearing shit that I've never heard before and never heard it sound that good. All these Zap albums come from like a specific like pressing plant in Germany and they use nothing but the original fucking masters. The only thing I've ever heard uh, come close to the Zappa vinyls, the 180s, is the Sabbath 180s. So please, I mean, if, if you want that album, don't dick around. You know how we both feel about the 180. Uh, get that on vinyl. It's the only way to hear it. And I was all right, uh, uh, Ian. I don't mean to cut you off, but I have to get to, into the force again. Okay. Okay. The Amazon w- website. Order Zootalors again and send it to my address. Okay, I'm done. Wow, right. man. I feel like I'm gonna disappear. I'm doing that fucking that hologram Luke shit, man. And I want to say I was very happy to hear that you played uh, uh, the 180 uh, Police album that I bought you compared to the original, and you said you liked the 180 better. Yeah, and and unfortunately, you never sent me your address when I told you, because I have something for you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I'll send it to you. Yeah, send it to me. Don't forget. Okay. But, uh, no, I I was glad that, uh, that that sounded great, and you really enjoyed that, and Awesome, love it. Yeah, it's. I definitely recommend it. I gotta look into the other one. Well, the second one. Well, well, well no, that that's the only one that's been reissued oh. on vinyl. And see it, that one and the second one. I don't know which one I like more. Yeah, well, maybe see, maybe the first one a little bit. See, I kind of I I'm I'm like you. I lean a little bit more towards uh, Regatta de Blanc, but but the only 180 reissue of the police so far. I got a feeling they're gonna change it in the future. The way everything is going. But the only one you can get is that that European one that I sent you. 
as an it's an import too as that's not a domestic record i i i think i swing a little bit more toward Orlando's because i think it's a little more rockier yeah no i i, I hear you and i and i i like regatta because it's a little bit more avant-garde yeah, you got your bring on the night which i absolutely adore that song but it's not rocky you know what i mean right no no i i get it but you know we both love different things out of the police and uh you know, it, it, it is what it is, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. That's what it's all about. And and there's nothing I love more than, than giving music to people. I, I, I think that is the greatest gift in the world. I've had so many, uh, you, know, you know, girlfriends and stuff like, you know, I love to buy music for people, you know, and, and girls a lot of times they want flowers and jewelry. I'm like, oh, God, flowers, they die. I don't get it. Like if you give somebody the gift of music, it's something they can play over and over again and can constantly enjoy. I totally so. agree with you, except for one thing. There is one thing I do like giving people more than music. Do you know what that is? A facial? No. What's that? Herpes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're just like your mother there. Uh, well, where'd you think I got it from? <laughs> Yeah, no, not that I fucked her. I'm not sick. I just came out that way. Come on. She had herpes before I was born. But uh, to close this up, this album that we were talking about, Merciful Fate in the Shadows, was released June 6, 1993. Uh, Very much it was released underground and it stayed there, but it was released to rave reviews to the people who did give it a chance. And I'm one of those. I had no idea how great it was till I gave it a chance. So I hope all of you give it a chance, whether you're a King Diamond fan. And remember, kids, this is somebody who went from hating King Diamond to loving King Diamond. Uh, saw him live, and it blew my fucking mind. And now I'll never miss any chance I get to see him. So check this shit out. Give it a fucking day in court. And uh, there you go. What do you say we get to pick of the week? I got a pick of the week that I said I, I'm keep I'm keeping my word because even when we started the show I said I'm picking a King Diamond album for this one, <clears throat> All right. and I'm gonna go with one which I I feel is the most criminally underrated and I might have given I might this might have been a pick of the week already we gotta ask Renee, but uh, I have to go with Spider's Lullaby. Um, I believe he I believe he did pick it, but but expand on it. Um, Spider Lullaby is the first album King Diamond... No, that's not true. I was about to say it's the first non-concept album, but <clears throat> it's it's half concept, half not. Where the eye was the same way, and so was Fatal Portrait, like well, side one. Well, the last... I, I thought the eye was a total concept, though. No, no, no. There's songs no? on there that have nothing okay. to do with the concept, yes. Oh, um, okay. <clears throat> there's a few other songs on there, too. But uh, I think... Spider's Lullaby, you know, of course, man. It came out in the height of grunge. You know, he was out of flavor, but it's a heavy. I mean, he did. It was heavier than the eye. I love the eye, but he went more straightforward. And uh, it's 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 criminally overlooked. I mean, a lot of King Diamond albums are criminally overlooked, you know. But that would be the first one, you know, that was criminally overlooked. I think the eye might have turned a couple people off because... Number one, there's no video for it, so I'm not. And then you know, Eye of the Witch and Three Little Girls is all keyboardy, and it's like, oh, well, you know, I love it, but I'm just saying, you know, it's King Diamond expanding. Uh, this one's not that keyboardy, and it's very heavy. 
check out Spider Lullaby, my pick of the week. Awesome. Well, I'm I'm kind of keeping with the same vein as you because I'm picking the exact same band uh, we were talking about, Merciful Fate. And uh, like I said earlier, uh, Ralph turned me on to the 80s Merciful Fate. The first one I bought was Nine. I absolutely love that fucking album. But after I heard this one multiple times, I was like, man, let me let me check out some other uh, of these reunion era albums that, that I have but never gave the time of day. And I listened to the next album, which is called Time. And I really, really dug this album. Now, this one does feature the drumming of Snowy Shaw. And I think the drumming on Time is much better than what Morton Nielsen did on this one. Uh, it's not Kim Ruz, but I think it's closer than than what the drumming on, on In the Shadows. Now, it doesn't have quite the, ep- you know, it doesn't have an epic song like uh, The Old Oak or uh, Legend of the Headless Rider. Uh, all the songs are much shorter, but I think it almost sounds a little bit more closer to old uh, uh, Merciful Fate than even in the shadows, musically at least. Now this one doesn't have Timmy Hansen. Timmy Hansen recorded in the shadows but didn't want to tour. So they got uh, Cherie D'Angelo. He plays bass on time. Uh, But I think it's a really, really good album. Uh, you know, and, and and you still have Denner and Sherman, and uh, and, and King Diamond. I, I think it's a solid release. What did you think of Time, Ralph? I think it's just a hair, a hair less better than In the Shadows. And I would also uh, go on record to say it is the most underrated Merciful Fate album uh, overall. You nice. know, I mean, you know, Time is amazing. It's a great follow-up. I can. You know, I'm just saying, it's not as good as In the Shadows, but not by much. Right. Man, dude, songs like Nightmare Be Thy Name, Witches Dance, uh, Castillo de Muerte, My Demon, the title right. track, The Preacher, Lady in Black, all great tunes. You right. know, now, I mean, now, I love that album. Now, now, let me ask you this, see if we kind of feel the same way about this. I think the only thing missing from that is like a long epic. I think that's the only thing that takes it a notch below. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you're almost you're almost there with Castillo de Muertes, right? But not quite. It's only like what? What the, what the fuck minutes, does that I mean think? anyway in Spanish? What's uh, that? Ca- Castle of the Dead. Oh, oh, there. Fuck! Don't get any more much faith in that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But uh, uh, another thing I wanted to ask you while I was doing research for this, uh, I really loved uh, the Henner Sherman. Uh, the EP and the album. Oh yeah, great shit. I, I thought they were really good, but then I found out about another band that I didn't know about. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Force um, of um, Evil. Force of Evil. Uh, you know what my problem is with Force of Evil though? I don't like that singer. That singer was in a band called Iron Fire, and I don't know, okay. he's a little too Vince Neilish for me. But um, uh, I mean, musically it's great, but the singer I have a problem with. I gotta admit. Okay, well, well, I just you know, you know that's something that that uh, that I missed before, and while I was doing my research, I found out about. So I wanted to ask you. Uh, but an, uh, another interesting fact that I found out um, is I, I think Time is the last album to feature Snowy Shaw on drums. 
Uh, I'm not sure. Into the Unknown, who's playing drums on that? That That's a guy I know I'm mispronouncing this for. Uh, hold on a second. I know I'm pronouncing it wrong, but it's like Rajane T. Holm. Okay. Who who, yeah. a, who actually drummed for Merciful Fate and King Diamond. And it should be known that he was the original drummer they wanted for Merciful Fate, but he turned them down, and they got Kim Russ. And uh, I, I I think he's a beast of a drummer, too. Even though there, there, there's two out... I, I've never heard anything off of Into the Unknown, and before... Before we started recording, I just started listening to Dead again. Uh, but I love Nine. I love Nine. Nine I don't know how you dude, feel about that. Oh, I love. I, hey, I traveled to see that tour. I love Nine. Nine though is very different than Nine is more in the realm of Into the Unknown, where Dead Again went a little more uh, changey. You know, right. with, the, with the title track and the night and shit like that. Uh, uh, what are we talking about? It, uh, oh, what I think of nine? Oh my, dude, the yeah. song "Insane" is insane, oh, yeah. and uh, "Burning Hell" oh. and the, and the title track, uh, 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 "Church of Saint Anne." Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a that's a great album. Now that, it, it is uh, worth noting that on "Dead Again" and nine, Michael Denner had left. Yeah, and, it was and, only the Sherman Diamond thing. Yeah, but. Uh, but still really good. I mean, I wish Denner was there, but they got Mike Weed, who also has played on uh, a couple of King Diamond solo albums. Uh, but uh, again, for somebody, you know, and I can only say this as somebody who wasn't like a, a hardcore Merciful Fate fan uh, that came on board with their, as of now, as their final album. I think anybody can get into Nine if you like yeah. metal. I think it's just yeah, a yeah. really it's good album. It's not merciful fate-ish. I mean, in some parts, it, it, it you know it hints at it, but it's more much more straightforward than uh, all the previous releases. But you know, also, it, I think you should look into into the unknown. Into the unknown is very nine-ish. Yes. You know, it yeah. has very you know straightforward songs. Well, like I, I have I have them all. I just need to, to explore them. But like I said, you no, know, it was only due to time restraints that. Uh, that I didn't get to hear all of Dead Again, but I listened to the first two songs and I dug that. And that's when I've seen uh, people complained about the production, said it was too raw, but I'm normally not one that complains about raw production. Yeah, a lot a lot of people didn't like Nine. You know what song I love off Nine is that title track. And you know, oh, yeah. it's, a, it's a weird song and what's really strange about that song is when I traveled to see them, they opened the show with Nine. I was like, wow. I mean, that's not like... Wow. A, it's kind of an eerie, not opening too. It ends the album actually. Yeah, and, yeah. and and that's the only song on the album that was written by Mike Weed. Uh, all the other ones are either Hank Sherman or King Diamond. That one was actually written by Mike Weed. Not that one is that one. I think is the most closest to early fate, and it's so weird. It's such a weird song. So but what a great song. So what what would you say? Uh, I mean, I know you love the band. What do you think is is the weakest uh, Merciful Fate album? And I love it. And actually, I hated it initially, but now I love it. But I still will say, you know what? I, no, I was going to say Dead Again. But no, you know what? I'll have to go with Into the Unknown. And it's a great album. But, you know, if I had to pick, because there are dumb songs on there, like Dead Time is kind of dumb and, and 15 Men in a Bottle of Rum. 
You know, it's like, you know, what the fuck is this shit? And listen to the bell. But uh, the, re- I mean, their song. There's a song on there called uh, "The Uninvited Guest," which they have a video for, it, which is awesome. I like "Holy Water." It's like, keep away uh, the holy water. It makes me burn. <laughs> I love shit like that, you know. And uh, "Under the Spell" is cool. The, the title track is cool. Uh, but you know, for the most part, I'd say it's the weakest out of all of them. Uh, "Dead Again," I had a problem with initially, but man, that's one that that you have to get into well that, that that's that's the one like you know i read his stuff online a lot of people pointed dead again uh so i was interested to get your your opinion but you like yeah. you, you prefer dead again over into the unknown i think it has i mean there are some clunkers on there but dude the title track alone 13 minutes and it's fucking amazing that that song alone is what dude i cannot say into the unknown is better just because of that one song but dude, there's a song on there called "The Night," that's so cool, you know. There's yeah. a lot of good songs on there, "Sucking Your Blood," you know. There's some great shit on there that I would say is better. But dude, "Into the Unknown," the songs I love on there, I fucking adore, you know. But you know, it has a, a sequel to um, "The Mad Arab" from uh, yes. Time. It does have a yes. sequel to it that ends the album and. And I like that. I like the the Mad Arab and Part Two. I like them both, you know. Right on. But yeah, Time is great, dude. Time, uh, that's a great pick. I love that album. Absolutely love it. And to tell you the truth, the first time I heard, it, I was like, ah. And then I heard it like maybe two more times. I'm like, no, nah, this is good. This is really good. It's just you know, I have a hard time sometimes. Uh, the bias of the original Kim Raz shit. It's like, fuck, right. man, you're calling this merciful fate, but it's not merciful fate to me. But who gives a fuck? It's good. You know, it may not be the true spirit of Merciful Fate, but they're great albums, you know? Right on. All right, well, now it's time to go into Pick of the Week. and uh, Fan of the Week. Yeah, I'm sorry, Pick of the Week. You made, uh, the, same as, week, <laughs> you that, you made the same mistake on the last episode. I know, I drink a lot, and I'm on pills. I just got my nuts stuffed, for Christ's sake. Give me some slack. Ouch. All righty. Well, fan of the week this week, uh, and th- this is a guy I-, I used to really not like. Uh, and this is a guy I discovered through Bill Wing's Kiss, 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 Hard Rock, Heavy Metal page. Uh, but he's been really contributing a lot, and I feel contributing greatly uh, to the Rock and Metal Combat podcast page. And that is Ron Dermott. I call him Dirtmitz. This is your second time don't... giving him fan of the week, actually. Oh, did I? Yeah, you did. Ah, or may- maybe I'm wrong, but I remember you discussing him before. I remember the whole story behind it. How you had problems with him before. And actually, I want to let's make him fan of the week again because you know what he's doing on our page that nobody does, and I think he's doing it exclusively for us. He's putting up whole concerts he's filmed that's not on YouTube. For us, yes, yes, yes. The uh, the cheap trick concert, cheap stuff. trick, a Pantera show, and just yeah. for that alone, I think we should give him a double dose of fan of the week. All right, I'll give him a double dose. Yeah, this is a guy initially. Uh, uh, I I couldn't stand him because he, he refused to denounce Sammy Hagar, so he still has that strike against him. Uh, but it, it, it's funny. He he liked Sammy Hagar and and like the blackest of death metal. But he also likes cheap trick. So, uh... Yeah, you know, and I also had a problem with him. 
uh, on the page. Uh, I forgot what I posted, but he started a fight with me. And, uh, you know, and then, I, you know, uh, it ended peacefully. I think it was about Iron Maiden, actually. And uh, ever since then, he's been cool. So, you know, I, I, I give that guy a pass. And plus, he is not only because of the, the, the videos he put up recently, but he is a big contributor. Yeah. To the page. Yeah. He's a very big contributor, and uh, I applaud him for that. So, yeah. Hey, yeah. hey way to go, uh, uh, bearded one. Yes, yes. The wizard sleeves. Uh, yeah, yeah. so not, not only contributing, but contributing shit that nobody's ever seen before. I mean, that's amazing. Like, Yeah, that I mean, right there, I, isn't that? God damn, that's, yeah. that's going beyond the Call of Duty, and I thank you, dude. You can easily put that shit on YouTube and get way more hits, but he leaves that shit yeah. exclusively to us. And, and Which I, makes him I, a great part of a community. You know what I mean? And, and I, I, I saw that he wrote on... Uh, uh, it's, it's one of those weird things. I have a lot of problems sometimes seeing comments uh, from the Podbean shit. But I got like this weird like notification on my phone that he commented on our uh, Dream Police episode. And he, and he said, where's the director's cut of this? Have you put that up on, on the YouTube page? The unedited uh, yes. dream, please. Oh my God! And and I and yeah, I mentioned it on there. Let me tell you something. I think it's one of our greatest episodes, and it, you should check it out because it's it hits you right in the beginning. Because you go into that whole thing about Kansas City Hot Plate, which is one of the okay. funniest things you've ever. And boy, you always have funny shit to say. But that one is like, boy, in my top five of oh, funniest things it. you ever I brought. Hear it. Yeah, you got to listen to the unedited. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I added Kansas City Hot Plate to the Podbean version. I'm not sure, but I know right. I wrote on there unedited. So, right. dude, it's hilarious. It's fucking hilarious. Okay, so if you're if you're listening, Dirt Mitts, go to our YouTube page, and I encourage all our listeners to go on the YouTube page, especially for episodes that you love when when we have the unedited ones. Because uh, there, there's so much great shit that we do, but just for, for time reasons, or sometimes even for us, we go way too off the mark. Uh, shit gets edited out. For the Podbean, check out those YouTube ones, because they're amazing. Plus, you get all the visuals. So, so Dirt Mitts, man. I know you love the trick. Check out, uh, go on our YouTube page, man. Subscribe to it. Tell your friends, tell your enemies. And uh, check it out, the, uh, the Cheap Trick Dream Police episode. Yeah, everybody out there, you should, you know. I mean, if you love the cheap trick one, you got to hear the unedited one. You got to hear all our unedited. Yeah, well, ones. I mean, Just... he he specifically asked for it, so uh, so I'm trying to help him out there. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, no, he put a thing on the uh, the combat page. That's what I was telling you. He goes, "Where's the director's cut of uh of uh, Dream Police?" So that's what and I... and there's a director's cut to Heaven Tonight, I believe, on there as well. Nice. And if I remember correctly, those were both Friday episodes, which yes, are Friday yes. episodes. <laughs> yeah, and I got drunk on both of those, really drunk. Yeah. Because, and I gushed. I gushed because, you know, Cheap Trick of Tom Warman, yeah. that shit's the best. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I remember the, the Friday night episode of, uh, of Heaven Tonight because that was always my least favorite of the 70s. Uh, for whatever reason, I mean, certain songs because of Overkill, and then other songs I was like, eh. But man, when I started listening to it to do the review, and then I was so drunk that night, and you were drunk, that was a great episode. That's a great album, dude. The deep tracks on there, the one that the band hates uh, on the radio, I love. 
Yeah. Still, still, I love that fucking Still my least favorite of the 70s, but I but I, I love it a lot more now than I used to. I'd say it's better than In Color. Oh, no. I disagree there, but hey. Makes I love In around. Color, though. Dude, I, I love In Color, but I'm just saying. I think it's better because it's a little more the type of bells and whistles I like. Because there was a lot more uh, going on musically in the background on Heaven Tonight that uh, just touched my soul more, you know? And and In Color is the first cheap trick album I ever, I ever heard. Right. And if you want to hear how I discovered cheap trick, it's so bizarre. But you got to hear it on the In Color episode we did. It's like a fluke and a half. It was oh, before Budokan. I love that story. Yeah, it was before Budokan, and it's a fucking fluke. Nobody knew who Cheap Trick was, and I discovered him by a weird, weird, ex- extraordinarily strange situation. Let's just put it that way. Right. All righty. Well, let's get to the plugs. What do you say? Earpeeler, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K, 8 p.m. U.K. time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Hey, rock music fans. This is Terrence Reardon of the Terrence Reardon and Friends Audiovisual Podcast. Join yours truly as I look every week at a different classic rock or metal album that had a major impact on my life. And I'm usually joined by a friend or two or ten. And we talk about nothing but great classic rock and metal. And there's no country or Sammy Hagar or rap on the fucking show. That shit is frowned upon with yours truly. So if you want a great classic rock audiovisual podcast, tune on in to the Terrence Reardon and Friends audiovisual podcast. New episodes every Monday, exclusively on YouTube. Tired of your long commute and boring work day? Well, join Brian Davis and his gang of movie buffs as they talk about a different movie subject every week on Damn Good Movie Memories. We discuss movie themes like our favorite movie villains, favorite soundtracks, and worst movie remakes, and much more. Check us out on iTunes and Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault, featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault on Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker.
God damn it. <laughs> hey, headbangers, you want your own radio show? Well, you got it. On Thursday nights here on that metal station, join me on the Dr. Fuck Show. Go in the chat room and I will make you my co-host. That's right. Everybody that joins me in the chat room, I discuss whatever you guys want to talk about. I'll mention your name. I'll say what you say. And we're going to go back and forth. And I'll even fucking play whatever request you want. Unless it sucks, then I ain't playing it because my show rules and only songs that rule is allowed right here on that metal station. The Dr. Fuck Show airs live Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. Hope to see you there. Well, no, no, fuck that hope. I better see you there, motherfucker. Alright, this is the Ayatollah of Alcoholic Ian Wadley, and I want you to listen to my brand new radio show, Wadzilla World, where I cover every era of fucking music that I like, and a few that you like too. Check me out every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time on Soundphoria.com. I'll see you there. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting podcast, The Kiss Audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podcast. Every month, the podcast crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulik, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. All right. Well, if you're one of the few and the proud that listen to this episode, and we appreciate each and every one of you, come back next week when our special guest is original Merciful Fate drummer Kim Ruz. Awesome. Yeah, he, he doesn't talk about an album. He just delivered the mail. <laughs> but uh, we ask him a few questions, and, uh, and it's a good episode. So come back next week and check that shit out. All right. Only. I hope he doesn't. I hope he doesn't cancel like every fucking guest we announce at the end. I hope this one actually works. Yeah. Well. Well, he has to because he's on the job. Well, I heard if he, I, I, you know who I'm on retainer though, for exactly. sure, for sure. If Kim Rose doesn't do, we have Bob Seger, bro. Oh. Well, yeah. either way, come back next week to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. If it's not Kim, it's Bob. There you go. Rock and roll never forgets. <laughs>